Oh yeah. What's up, party people? Hey, tonight's episode of Gravity Lab Radio has Stephanie Binky. A lot of you banky. A lot of you know her as Steph around the drop zone. Uh, I call her both Steph and Stephanie. Wonderful young lady. Uh, formerly a school teacher, so comes to the sport with a strong teaching background, a disciplinarian, so to speak, uh, and brings a lot of passion to teaching on the drop zone. As you know, I like teaching. I like instruction. Uh, and I love watching people who have a passion for it. And, and I'm excited, excited. I'm not even drinking yet. I am excited to uh, share Stephanie's passion for safety, passion for teaching, and, and passion for sharing the sport. She's absolutely a uh, bright spark in the sport. Uh, get to know her just a little bit more if you don't already. Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio has been brought to you by, or is being brought to you by, LB Altimeters. Go to lbaltimeters.com. Check out their new website and or new, their new website. Check out their website and their new altimeter. Right now, the Aries 2 has had an update. You've heard of it. You've seen it. If you haven't, get your hands on one. The Aries 2. The body is slightly larger than a Visa. The screen is much larger. It is a metal case. It is a glass screen. Super indestructible. Super durable. Uh, it's a super, super tough device. But on top of it all, the case now comes in the standard black, green, they call that one the Hulk, red, and blue. You can go to lbaltimeters.com. The first slide on the homepage is those three new colors from LB. Uh, I've heard a lot of people asking because LB did a drop of altimeters or Aries over Christmas. Are there more colors coming? And to my knowledge, there is no other colors currently planned. Um, knowing LB altimeters, give it a couple years, things might change. But right now, red, green, blue or your standard black case. Go to lbaltimeters.com, check it out, buy one for yourself, or ask your favorite dealer to order yours today. Man, that sounded cool. Until uh, then, man, still, I swear, I haven't drank yet. Until uh, then, enjoy the show with Miss Stephanie. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? So with the show would start, be like, okay, everyone, it's happening. It's time. And then the song would start, and we'd all sit here and listen to the song. <laughs> And the person in the chair, I would often just see this glazed over look in their <laughs> eyes. I'm like, oh, fuck. The fuck is really going to happen? So, so we stopped doing that. Are we y'all going to sing me a song for an intro? Uh, we could. On top what? of Ultimate, <laughs> <laughs> all covered in. I was Gentlemen, <laughs> I was going to go with the, This is the song that never ends. Oh, this man. is the song, song that, that never ends. ends. There are four people who can't sing. Can we ring. do that for an hour? <laughs> God it, help us. That's from Lamb Chops, is that right? Is that the show? Oh, yeah. Fuck if I know. Yes. Oh, it you. was <laughs> Lamb Chops. Yeah. Lamb Chop like the little puppet. Ring, ring, yeah. ring, 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 ring. Yeah. Banana phone. Uh, what no, else? Nobody <laughs> knows that one? Banana phone? Yeah, banana phone. Oh, this is kind of ironic that this conversation is already now because the Narwhal song, You Try to Ruin My oh. Life. With oh, again. man. I love that. Do you know the Narwhal's not? Yeah, oh, Jesus. We should play it right now. We should definitely not do that. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> It'll get us pulled off the internet. I'm just trying to watch out for the, you know. Best we'll get zucked. Hey, if you don't know, you can listen to the show on Spotify now. So if you're listening ooh, any other ooh. way, go check out Spotify. I didn't and know that. Spotify, Fancy. they're one of the reasons I've been really trying to tighten up what we do. Uh, they will very quickly rip us off the air. 
Really? Yep. Spotify hmm. does not fuck with uh, pi- uh, copyright issues or whatever, DMCA. And uh, I've got other ideas for YouTube of how we can get around some violations we've had. But uh, God, I need somebody who can watch our videos and edit them. So. <laughs> no, definitely not, not me. You. No, <laughs> no, no, not you, Nick. That was not okay, usually good. when I say that. Good. Yeah, you, you were looking at me and you said edit videos, and usually that means one thing. Hundred percent, don't know how. I, I love it. when someone starts has a t- that conversation. Man, I just really need a video <laughs> in front of me, and it's like, yeah, Nick, you I'm like, ask? so I'm totally waiting <laughs> for like another one of the uh, what's it the spoof from the Super Bowl commercial. I want one of those again. I would love to make one of those. That was one of my we most favorite videos to make. Did you see the one of me and uh, Francisco dancing recently? <sighs> yeah. That was fun. It didn't get nearly as much traction as I hoped that it would, but it was still uh, fun. Anchorman was my favorite, though. I'd like that one, too. Yeah. With you and Blake, man, that 100%. We just we need an idea. So we uh, talked for a while about remaking uh, Bruno Mars 24 Karat Magic, <laughs> but it would be a lot of work to do it, and there's a really good chance that it's just going to get uh, taken Sweet. down because of the... Copyright Sweet. issues we were just talking about. Copyright issues suck, man. But it it might like I think it would. Vimeo doesn't really take much stuff down, so it might live there. But Vimeo uh, tends to not get as many views as uh, Facebook or YouTube. Okay. But uh, it would still be a lot of fun. But we just need an idea. What's we'll it going to be? Figure out a way to violate copyright laws. We should get access to a McDonald's after hours and figure out some <gasps> McDonald's like skit to run. Where's Billy? Like we cannot violate the kitchen or anything back there to get any Billy. McDonald's in trouble but you know make make remake man I got the hiccups clerks <laughs> <laughs> but clerks nobody knows clerks that's too old. I found that video. Is this the one you're talking about? Yeah that's me and Cisco right there. I don't know if you can get away with the audio <laughs> or not because we uh, I wasn't even going to try. <laughs> yeah yeah, maybe, maybe not. But uh, yeah, we practiced together. It was pretty fun. Sam helped me with. It the, looks uh, like a lot of choreography and practice there, <laughs> dude. We are in sync. Come on, it's good. <laughs> it's only what twenty so, twenty some seconds. Yeah, thirty four total. Oh, thirty four seconds. But yeah, it was fun. I chuckled pretty hard at it. Well, what uh, it looks like y'all were is that boys. one of those things the kids are doing? Is that why y'all yeah. did that for the TikToks? Oh, well, okay. no, <laughs> we stole this from. So I was ignorant. A, I was like, where did this come from? There's a news anchor. His name's Nick something. He's a Fox news anchor who he got super internet famous because he did. This was the first of his dances that he did to the same song that we used. And uh, Cisco and I are both fans of dancing. So he that's what you call that. I like the track away. <laughs> I, was gonna say. I like yeah, the track away at the end. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I like to dance. I like to make movies. It was a good combination of <laughs> things that I like. So what's what's going to be the next idea? What do we got? When you see that dirty dancing video, what else comes Can to we mind? Do dirty dancing though? Sure. Again? <laughs> but like, make it better. Make it dirtier. Can we? Yeah. Do dirtier dancing. Can we do the oh. pottery scene from Ghost? Oh uh, yeah, who's gonna be Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> 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 we can throw a wig on him. Okay, Hank can a wig Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Okay, who's Swayze? Hank. <laughs> oh my, uh, dude, I can't. Hank, all right. Yeah, you know, I I don't think shirtless as what's her name? Uh, it's not Meg Ryan. Is it Meg Ryan? Yes, for the the, oh, the lady in Ghost. I have no clue who the lady in Ghost is. Justin, we need what? help. The woman in Ghost is the Gorney Weaver. I, that's aliens. I feel like what? it's Meg Ryan or Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Oh, that one. Yeah. Uh, Demi Moore. Man. 
What do we got, Justin? That, you know, there are people <laughs> screaming. Um, that's right so, now. We were so yeah. pissed. <laughs> you idiot, man. What the fuck? <laughs> you don't know what's in this coffee, I, motherfucker. I love that. <laughs> suck a dick. I love that. <laughs> Demi Moore. Demi Moore, you got there, little man. Good, good job. So, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I felt squirrely tonight. Normally, he's the little one. <laughs> no, I was talking to him. He's talking to oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I had dude. the right guess. Okay. Come on, my ginger. No, I wouldn't diss a ginger like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is this where I should tell everyone that you've all been drinking scotch? Dude, actually, it has nothing to do with scotch. scotch. I took a sip. <laughs> I took two sips. Two sips. So, well, I've got half I've a I've been sequestered at home for a while now, so I'm a little loopy for being out of the house. I feel like oh, it's a special day. It's, a, it's an adventure. Your eyes are like really big. You're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I get to drive my Jeep. What? What? Oh, my God. Man, uh, I uh, I got out today and driving my car was weird. It was like, man, I, I get to like I the little I've been out. We drive her car all the time. And so to go out and actually be in my car, I'm like, man, this thing's small. God damn, I'm close to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to run me over. I want Val's truck again. <laughs> I'm scared. So. Welcome to the experience in my body every single day. <laughs> <laughs> he stood on a chair the other day. His nose started bleeding. <laughs> no, dude. I, I, dude, I helped. I helped Chris with a, a repair, pulling apart out of the King Air, the Jump King Air that's in Hangar Two. <laughs> dude, I had to. Get, he had to get me a step stool so I could see down into where he was preaching, standing <laughs> oh, on his so feet. That's so cute. That's my life. <laughs> Officially, how tall are you? Uh, I, I say five foot five, but I've never actually like. <laughs> measured with the in, with the intention of knowing what the number is because it's just too hurtful. <laughs> I don't hey, want to know. Hey, Nick, I'm 5'5", five five and I'm taller than you. <laughs> that's probably a good chance that that's true. <laughs> good chance that that's true. Oh, my God. So our guest tonight is Stephanie <laughs> Behanky. Uh, <laughs> Steph, uh, as most of you know her, uh, is an AFF instructor, SCP instructor at Skydive Spaceland. How I you am. doing, Steph? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, your story has been extremely fun for me to follow and watch um, because I've known you since you were a baby jumper. Yep. And Nick, how often do we hear the, oh, I'm, oh you, you guys won't get rid of me? And usually when a jumper says that, it's like, oh, God damn it. Um, but then with this one, you're like, oh, God damn it. And it didn't happen. <laughs> I mean. You never spoke up. You never say anything. You didn't tell us how much you were going to be around. You didn't tell us what you were going to do. You didn't tell us anything about goals or ambitions. You just started doing shit. You had a fire for the spore. Um, I actually on multiple occasions said, don't do X until you've done Y for so long. And, and I think the first one was, hey, uh, make sure that you uh, have been in the sport for a while before you work in it part time. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you took you you followed that path, which I think you had said in your own mind as well. Um, and then you worked in the sport part time. I said, "Hey, work in it part time for a while before you go full time." And you kept asking me, "How do you know this?" There's something in your fucking eyes, man. And it's not just crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> very few have a passion or a spark for skydiving that I've seen in your eyes, and it just amazes me to watch you share it every day. So I wanted to share that with everybody else. Well, thank you. You know how I got this job, right? No. We were desperate. <sighs> Dude, that was 100% <laughs> actually true. Um, no, so we uh, there were a group of us, the pilots, uh, Jason Hyder, who was manager at the time, and Mr. Brian Tucker and whatnot. We'd all go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and we would do trivia night every Tuesday night. I was terrible at it. Rabbit was really awesome, and so he loved bragging about it. But um, we all decided to take shots one Tuesday night. I actually called in sick the next day to work when I was being a teacher. And... Uh, then I was like, oh man, that was a blurry night. I made it back home safely. Wasn't driving. 
And then Friday morning, I get a text message from Jason Hyder. Hey, so you're serious about coming to work tomorrow, right? Apparently, over shots, I drunkenly agreed to work for Spaceland. <laughs> and that's how I got my job at Spaceland. And I showed up because I felt real guilty. And I fell in love with it. Man, alcohol gets us tandems and ground crew. I know. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I would actually not be shocked at the number of staff who work at a drop zone over a drunken night <laughs> and quit their job <laughs> accidentally doing so. I don't think it's everybody, but I think it's a oh, few yeah, of you. Yeah. yeah, no, that was 100% how I got the job here. So wh- when did you make your first jump? Uh, and where? June 21st, 2014 at Texas Skydiving, where Cecily and David are. That explains so much more. So at some point uh-huh. tonight, I want to talk about Lexington, Texas Skydiving. I love them. Uh, super fucking great people. Cecily was on the show. And you have a huge passion for sharing that drop zone. Now I know why. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also super cool people. Amazing people. Yeah. And the llamas are awesome, too. Who did you do your first jump with? David. David. Yeah. Man. He is, uh, David Moore is the owner of Texas Skydiving, and he is absolutely phenomenal fellow. I did his rating, so I'm your uh, grandpappy. How you Aww, doing? <laughs> hey, grandpappy. How you doing? Yeah. And then from there, what was the next step? What did you do? Uh, so after I lied to my parents about the first five jumps. Um, Hold on a second. <laughs> you didn't tell them you jumped at all. No, I was 28 years old, and I lied to my parents. Why? Because they'd be mad and not happy with me. And, and what do they think today? They've accepted it. What did they say when they found out? Oh. And how did that? Like, I want to know how you told it. kind of a long road, wasn't it? Uh, it was a little bumpy. Yeah. Uh, so I went and did the three skydives in uh, Lexington. I did one tandem and then two solos because I could have done solo right off the bat. But uh, I did a, a tandem. So then after that, um, I thought I wasn't going to do it anymore. I thought it was just the summertime fun. And then Skydive Spaceland made the news about doing a Tandem World's Record Day. And I was tutoring a kid to get ready for SAT prep and everything. And the mom convinced me to go because I had all the stuff. I'm like, I don't know if I want to after I got done tutoring. And she goes, you're an idiot. Go. Okay, cool. I show up to Big Spaceland. My eyes totally pop out huge because it's a totally different place than Texas Skydiving. And I show up, do the two tandems for the world record, and the very next day I was in ground school. And you yeah. came to us through that world record event. Yeah. That is so fucking cool. Y- yep. I heard it on Fox 26 News, 9 o'clock news. Heard about it. It just happened to um, come across. And then the next day morning, I was tutoring a couple kids. And the last one I was tutoring, the mom went and told me I needed to head down there. There's no doubt Nick remembers that day. And uh, yeah, I'm looking it up right now to try and find the date of when it actually happened. It was like September, late September, September. 27th, 2014. Does yeah. that sound right? Yeah. yeah. I remember it really vividly because of also having a role in it. And it's cool because very few jumpers will I know how you came to us. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I actually will remember your story. That's that's neat. Yeah. Tandem World Record Day was why did, I showed up. As did you do more than one tandem that day? Two. You did two. Okay. And who'd you jump with? Uh, Grandpa Chad. Lawnmower head. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I'm I, talking about? I oh, love he, Chad. Yeah, he had a little lawnmower guy tattooed on his head, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Along with a very terrifying <laughs> pair of eyes in the back. Of <laughs> I loved him. He was amazing. Oh <laughs> man, I love you to death, Chad. He talked about at some point how if he had things to do over again, there's certain things he wanted done, and those kind of tattoos were, were kind of <laughs> my eyes. Like, there's like the eyes I can grow my hair back and cover it. Some the lawnmower dude, I can't hide it no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, 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 but I love Chad to death. Oh, he's a super good dude. 
you did those two tandems. Um, you still haven't told your parents. No, uh, they didn't know that I showed up at Spaceland because, um, again, it was just the the mom yelled at me, so I went to Spaceland. And then whenever I went and uh, Chad introduced me to John Barry, who's head of uh, STP at the time, and of course y'all were busy, but John actually took time to stand, uh, like step aside and and talk to me for about ten minutes, which I thought was really really cool because I knew everybody was so slammed and so busy. And then uh, he talked me into doing the ground school, which wasn't very hard at all the very next day. <laughs> oh, this was on the world record day. Yeah. He spent yeah. Okay, Barry went and talked to me for 10 minutes whenever y'all are slammed and Barry actually goes, yeah, skip me in the rotation. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I was like, oh, cool. He's saying that he's going to skip a jump. I didn't realize how slammed y'all were or anything. And that meant money to him. Yeah. And, and that, um, after the fact I learned and that was really cool. But, uh, so then that night I had to tell my parents that I was going to continue skydiving. That I was going to, do the ground school again and because I had already done one at Texas skydiving and that I was going to continue with the program. Yeah, that didn't go over so well. But they handled it the best they could. It's because they care. Do you know what their concerns were? They thought I was going to die. Okay, yeah, that's a, I guess that's a common one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they thought I was going to die. How Did any of your parents, uh, Nick or Justin, have a prom when they found out you started skydiving and how long did you wait to tell them? Justin. Ooh, that's a good question. I want to know. That is a good question. I didn't like directly tell them. They just found out, I guess. <clears throat> How'd they just find out? Facebook. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Facebook. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm just <laughs> guessing. Right? <laughs> What'd they say? I don't think they really cared, honestly. Yeah. Um, they knew uh, that I I knew what I was doing and what I was getting into, I guess. By the time I'd actually talked to them about it, I'd, I had already... Like got my license and all that shit. Like, cause I I went through it pretty fast. You know, I got a lot of jumps really fast. Uh, while getting my license, it took me a while just because I started in January and the weather was shit. So oh, yeah. it took a few months for me to get my license. But then, like, I had I think fifty uh, something jumps before I my rig showed up and I took the canopy course and all that stuff. So. Uh, the next few months were very, very fast. I think by the time I actually talked to my parents about it, I had almost 100 jumps already. <laughs> so it was like, well, I guess you haven't died yet. So oh, snap, <laughs> you're man. probably all right. <laughs> Did Connie know right away? I told everybody right away. I, I couldn't shut up about Scott. I mean, I was that obnoxious guy. How was your mom? She, I, I took my Tana video over to her house and put it in her DVD player and she watched it and she cried like tears of, of, joy that she wasn't mad she wasn't like amazement this is awesome yeah like this is so cool and she said oh i'd always wanted to jump out of a plane when i was younger and now i'll never do it and i think i had like 60 jumps when i finally drug her out to the drop zone and got her to do her first jump but uh she hasn't jumped (sighs) since then so i haven't got to like go on a skydive with her you know i didn't have that's the coolest thing ever man (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah someday see when i started i uh chad's the one that got me into jumping jet boy so I, I was exposed to that constant like talking about skydiving and I didn't want to be like that because <laughs> that's all I heard all day every Aww. day at work. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know, I jump. if somebody would ask, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I jump a little bit, whatever. But I didn't, <laughs> didn't want it to be a thing. My parents, I, I uh, got home. As soon as I got home, I called my parents because, you know, we didn't have phones. I had to get home and call them. 
And they, my mom, I think she said, oh, that's neat. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, you're not bothered. It's like, no, we figured you do stuff like this. Like we didn't think skydiving, but you've done a bunch of stupid stuff in your life. So it fits. So. Oh, see, yeah. I was the, the one that was always the good child. Like that I was supposed to take care of my parents when they get old. Um, I was the predictable one up until then I found skydiving. So Did we talk about what you did before you started skydiving? Uh, Mentioned you were a. Uh, public school teacher, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I, I knew that part of your story, but what, uh, <laughs> how how did that change happen? Because they're pretty, two pretty different lifestyles, right? So I'm hoping that I can get them out here. The guy that uh, I went with to go skydiving with, because I had been trying to go skydiving since I was 18 years old, but things kept coming up because I was lying to my parents, and I, it was family things. But... Um, so a guy named Brock, he works at, or he did at least work at Connor High School. And he's the head athletic director, head football coach for the freshman um, team. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. Email got sent out to 300 staff members, supposedly 10 people were going to show. I was the only one who showed up at Texas <laughs> Skydiving. And uh, like all the football coaches had said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. And they're all manly men. And then they all chickened out. And so I went with Brock because... <laughs> He, he's gone there for years and everything. And that was how then I actually went and got introduced because I, I was a little too chicken in the beginning to go just by myself. Um, the people that come and show up at Spaceland and that do tandems, and like, yeah, no, nobody would come with me and I just came. Man, they are amazing in my mind. I don't think I could have ever done that in the beginning. Now, okay, whatever. But in the beginning, I don't think I could have been that brave. Do you ever, do any of you, but Stephanie, I know you speak to a lot of the, the new jumpers. Do you ever see somebody who comes out? I, I was one of those students, 20 friends supposed to show up. I'm the only one who did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a guy named Sketchy Dave immediately kind of took to me. And he's a super nice guy. He, his landings were sketchy. He wasn't sketchy at all. Okay. He was, he was a little bit, he was, he was the full-time video. <laughs> you know, he, wasn't, he wasn't sketchy wasn't at all. Sketchy, they just used that in his name. <laughs> You know you're in good hands when his name's Sketchy. <laughs> Literally. It's like me calling you Asian DJ and be like, no, he's not Asian. He's not really Asian. But, he was but really he's got a small dick. But he was a really good dude. It's <laughs> not Asian, just, you know, his genetics and heritage. Eh, nothing big. It's average for a white boy, which makes it big for a Japanese man. Congratulations. Tell us I'm about Sketchy Dave. Japan. I'm a big boy now. You're, you're <laughs> overselling it. We all know you're lying. So how many inches was his sketchiness? Oh, man. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so I, I see those jumpers who come out with that story, and immediately you know they have a true, actual interest in skydiving. Yeah. Do you spend time with people like that? Oh, I usually uh, gravitate towards those, the ones that came out by their, like on their own and everything, because automatically I'm like, oh, you did something that I couldn't do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Nick, you have a lot more interaction with jumpers today on the ground than you used to. You, you, yeah. You've always been fairly interactive, but now you interact with almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you spend extra time with those people usually? Gosh, I don't think I notice people who are out by themselves uh, any more than I notice anyone else. Because it seems like uh, every, everyone's got their own reason, you know, and whether yeah. it's that it's agree. grandma's 50th. Uh, her, I guess grandmas are usually older than that. Grandma's 70th birthday. or it's uh, <laughs> Nowadays, it might be 50. No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do that. Hold on, total sidebar. Do you guys, <laughs> do you guys know what Omegle is? Oh, what? Omegle is that? I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, do you know is what? Is that where you bid on celebrities? No, stuff? no. Do you know? No, a different thing. Did you know what chat roulette was? 
Okay, so for everyone, Omegle <laughs> is a service you get on their website, and it randomly pairs you with a stranger anywhere in the world. And so now you're having a video chat with a stranger. So That's obviously, weird. there's a lot of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> doings, doings. Sausage party. There's a lot of dudes that want to show you. The, they're trying to show you their their downtown bonanza. But <laughs> there's there's this rapper. This guy, his name's Harry Mack. He's an amazing freestyle rapper okay. from UK. Uh, no, he's an American guy. He's from uh, LA. He's he from grows out his bush. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you're getting them confused. So Harry Mack is not a naked guy. So. Okay, let me paint the picture. He used to walk around. <laughs> Sorry, you opened the door for that one. No. I promise if you get on Omegle, you'll, you'll never. Hang on. Uh, Harry Mack. This is what I'm trying to get out. He's a freestyle rapper. He used to walk around on the Venice boardwalk, and he would just bump into random strangers, and he would say, hey, give me a few words for me to rap about. So someone would say, oh, pumpkin and Asian and skydiving, whatever, and he would just just make up these incredible raps just off the top of his head. But now because of the shutdown, the whole quarantine thing and you know how shut down California is, he's not going around and meeting strangers Dang. in public. He's meeting people on the internet, strangers. So he gets on this chat <laughs> service on Omegle and he just meets a stranger and it's just some person sitting wherever they're sitting in the world and he says, hey, give me a few words and then he makes these incredible raps. Okay, that's pretty cool. So I am super hooked on all of his content and so... Watching all these his videos on YouTube, meeting people, on these strangers on Omegle, I was like, "Well, I want to check out Omegle. I want to try and get into conversation with some weirdos." But uh, it's very strange. It's very weird. <laughs> uh, it's really uncomfortable. You're going to see a lot of naked dudes, and you're going to get into conversations with. It seems like the only people I've talked to on it are oh like 15 year old kids, and they get on, and I'm like, "What are you doing on here? Like, how did any adult person in your life let you think this the is thing an okay for pedophiles. thing?" Yeah, it's <laughs> Nick's well, on it. And I'm on it. <laughs> Shit. We're the same height. It doesn't count. Yeah. I got a real nice man. Oh, dude, there's puppies in oh there. Oh, my God. Man, my, you guys are exposing my alter ego right now. I got a Just van. exposing yourself on a schmeagle. That's fine. Schmeagle. <laughs> but uh, what were we talking about before I went on this Omegle thing? Oh, dude, the first time I got Nick's van, the first thing I said to him was, why do I think there should be candy here right now? Why does oh this mattress God. have blood stains on it? <laughs> well... The only people that know that uh, can't talk about it anymore, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I really had a point before I got so excited about Omegle. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, Man, what, get what on were we a, talking about five minutes ago? Get on a mission to hunt for that solo jumper tandem guy that's out there. Like, yeah. there we Just go. keep an eye out in the crowd and you'll see him. They're not often. They're not all the time. <laughs> But you'll catch solos out there. Man, I have moved on to another thought after that, but I'll go back. Yeah. To, I'll go back to that. No, but I mean, I have the same admiration for any person who's brave enough to go jump out of an airplane by themselves. Like there is that that reassurance, that strength in going with someone that you yeah. know, right? Of doing this crazy thing. Like you know, when you're scared, you want someone to hold your hand, and it's like the same thing of when you're terrified of jumping out of an airplane. If you get a friend to go with you, yeah, it makes you feel. It makes you feel better when you got some backup, right? So I do agree that those people are. Maybe a little more bold than uh, than me. Well, I'm pretty stoked because um, I think here in a month or so, uh, Brock's going to come out to Spaceland. Yeah. And I get to go take him on a skydive. How many jumps does he have? He's got like 15 solos. He doesn't want to do a tandem. And so, but he goes out to Lexington all the time and he'll do the ground school 
And then he goes in and he'll do one jump. Um, for a while, he didn't even know that you could do something other than just fall down in the sky. And that, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, do you think that most people know that there's something other to, other to do? Oh, that? I think they have no clue. Until they, they actually come out and they, they understand and they see it. Mm-hmm. No clue. I had no clue. Yeah. I mean, unless you're out, unless you're paying attention to at the time, like a popular movie drops on point break back then, there was enough exposure of those movies, of skydiving those movies. But yeah, in general, jumpers regularly think you're just falling. Yeah. Or wuffos. So I want to change the topic real quick just because I, I don't want to forget this. And, and this goes to a good place. We're talking about that new guy overcoming fear and being able to go out to the DZ and how respectable that is. But I want to transition that to when did you get your next fear? Um, for me, I had 13 jumps. <clears throat> jump 1 through 12, I was on a spring-loaded ripcord. Um, excuse me, jumps 1 through 11, I was on a ripcord. Jump 12, I went out and got transitioned to a throwout. So main pilot shoot, ripcord, kind of like your reserve, fires a spring, goes out. Transitioned to throwout on jump 12. Jump 13, I made my first solo ever. I, we, I was cleared to solo. I was doing two and three ways at jump eight, nine, ten. That's just what we did back then. Um, jump 13, I was by myself. It was a solo. It was a beautiful sunset. I was told to enjoy the view, whatever. You, you, you'll see a skydive you haven't seen before. Um, I think you as an AFF instructor probably tell your students their first solo will be one of their most memorable skydives, uh, one of their most amazing skydives, one of the most longest and boring skydives all at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I remember it, and because I didn't have a plan, like, I don't have to do this for the instructor. I don't have to worry about how I exit with this dude. I don't have to worry about remembering how to grab people. All I'm going to do is fall by myself. Man, what happens if my parachute doesn't open? What happened? Dude, I'm jumping out of an airplane. I got a fucking bed string. Man, there's strings. Dude, dude, will you check and make sure my AAD is on? Dude, give me a pen check. <laughs> I was not asking for equipment checks because I was getting reassurance. I was hoping you were finding a problem and telling me to ride the plane down. I'm not joking. I was that afraid. Where, really? Where at in the process did this fear set in? Were you in the airplane already when you started having these Probably thoughts? Probably around six grand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, up to six grand, I was having some irrational thoughts, but at six grand, it was like hyperdrive. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, I picture the cartoon of a bedsheet over my head flapping with strings attached to it that are barely strong enough, and they're all flapping. I mean, we're under tension. They all don't flap, but I, I just picture the most cartoonish version, and I'm going to die, and my harness, like, how is this harness going to stay together? It's just fucking string of material. What's And literally that irrational. Um, I made it. I was okay. I want to know about, did you ever hit that big fear moment uh, or any fear moment at all? And how you overcam uh, cam it. How you overcam it. Cam it. Cam it. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Let me drink a scotch. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it was like that big of a fear, but um, the first time I had to sit by the door, it scared me because like a lot of new jumpers. I agree with that. That's scary as fuck. I, was, I thought I was going to fall <laughs> out even though I had a parachute on my back. Mm-hmm. I was still scared. So my hop and pop was just scary because here I am sitting right by the door. Plus, that was the first time I spotted the drop zone on my own, and I was really excited about that. But um, no, the the whole falling out of the airplane, oops, the whole falling out of the airplane thing was the, the big fear until maybe, I don't know, over 100 jumps. I was scared. Oh, you were scared up until 100 jumps. Well, we'll, we'll go with that. No, no I, I don't I really know. That's... I, yeah. Have definitely been by the door and been bothered by the fact that I'm by the door with way more jumps than that. Uh, it's just uh, the door, and then the one airplane. What what order was it that had the gap? And we'd put the 
Yeah, that was on. BA when they rebuilt the door. Yeah, and I was scared that the hacky, even though it was so small, it was just with the hacky got loose and then boom, and then I'm just glued <laughs> to the door, you know. The help me wiggle in thing that that would be me. <laughs> the look on your face, like hey, like the, the the fear comes back to your face, like oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, no. Have you discovered anything since? The, like for me, I notice, and what I thought about DJ when you asked the question is a lot of times I learn a new thing about skydiving that makes me afraid of that thing. You know, like uh, you know, you hear a terrible story like uh, someone having a premature deployment. Like yeah. uh, the videographer having a, ple- a premature deployment underneath the tandem. Whoo! It's like, whoa, that happened. That killed three people. And it's like, you. I guess that's that's not a new fear, but that's a thing that you hear about it happening, and it reinforces the fear and why you don't do things a certain way. But uh, d- do you remember learning of any new thing that uh, that sparked new fear in your brain? Um, a few years ago, when uh, Randy uh, went in, Randy Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever it was dealing with tracking and how they just, it was complacency. Um, in my mind, complacency killed. And w- I was in Dallas. Thankfully, I thank God I was not working ground in Houston. I was up in Dallas. That's the one thing that I'm so thankful about because I would have seen it. Um, so I still have, to this day, have not seen somebody go in and I hope I never have to. But uh, whenever I heard about that, that scared me so badly about learning how to track properly, making sure that I'm in the right group formation, that I'm not in too big of a group, that I have the skill level and everything. That right there scared the bejesus out of me. Because I'd known Randy way before even skydiving because I worked in radio. And I didn't know that he skydived at the time. You worked in radio? Yeah, I worked We'll come back to that. Go yeah. back to your fear story. Sorry. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Squirrel, what? Uh, but yeah, so I went though, and whenever I heard about that... Um, not to mention I was just upset because I had known him for over 11 years and, and everything. But then hearing what happened the next day, uh, it scares me to this day on like me not being or being on a jump where I don't have the skill level. I'm not qualified to be on it. So I think that has actually limited me some on not being able to really push my skill level. But uh, I'd, in my mind, I'd rather be safe than sorry so then I don't. End up like that. I see a slightly different version of of the outcome of what you just said. I can't disagree with yeah. what you said, but you found this fear and you and you took motivation from it to track better. Is something you said. Yeah. You took motivation to get better and complacency and a couple other things. And when fear overwhelms us, and I really I'm, I love your answer to that question said and done. When fear overwhelms us, how do we overcome it? In your case, you put about a course of action. Yeah. Um, I, I regularly coach uh, jumpers, uh, tra- training canopy coaches. I tease my canopy coaches all the time. Man, as a canopy coach, you are three. You have three primary roles. Number one, you're coaching people. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're a trainer. A good example. Uh, I think our last coaching session was more of a training session than a coaching session. I Most agree of what we talked about, you knew. You needed reminders and checks on form, yes. and then a little bit more information, right? Yes, I agree with that. So we're coaches. We're trainers. And do you know what the third role the coach plays in canopy coaching? It's actually most skydiving coaching. What? You're a counselor. That's true. uh, Your first time you and I coached, there was no coaching going on at all. I was your fucking counselor. Oh, you were my therapist. 100%. Lay down on the couch and tell me how to land. Uh (laughs) That that is. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we, we commonly have that conversation of like, hey, when you find yourself in this horrible problem or this horrible place, hey, man, what happens if my parachute collapses at 2,000 feet? Well, then I'll cut away and pull my reserve or I'll yeah. do this or I'll do that. And whatever your question is, just fucking answer it. Find an answer. Find a direction. Mm-hmm. Find a solution. And that'll help you overcome your fear. Yeah. Nick, I think you deal with a lot of people who deal with fear in, in, in the drop zone. I think you deal with a lot of young jumpers as a, as a kind of your job as manager. Would I also would say as guidance counselor. Would that be fair? Uh, a little bit. I think <laughs> I, you know, I'm in the plane less. So I'm in the plane. Uh, I'm not usually around people in the moment that they're experiencing that fear. But uh, sure, I'm around plenty of people who, you know, maybe have... Uh, become overwhelmed by that fear at some point in the experience and maybe made some less than perfect decisions because of it. But, uh, you know, I don't think that... uh, I just try and understand the situation real logically. So I don't think that I talk about fear or address fear all that often. But uh, sure, I mean, I think it's really reasonable for anyone who jumps out of an airplane to experience fear. But I think that more of us probably experience a higher level of fear more often than uh, most of us talk about. There was a there was a period for a really long time, dude. I was so scared at pull time. I was terrified. I probably had five or six thousand jumps, and I had uh, recently had a cutaway, which we'll get to. Ah, yeah. And um, <laughs> the the cutaway was, you know, I had uh, some some tension knots, and it was due to a worn out pilot chute. And I knew the pilot chute was getting worn out, and my solution to that was, I'm just gonna throw it harder. So I would throw it. <laughs> whoa, 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 wait! You can get tension <laughs> knots from a worn out. Well, pilot? kind of. So. So the tension on the on the lines, okay. Like so, imagine a really well inflated pilot chute, causing tension all the way down to where your risers are. Right, you feel that that tension. Makes sense. So I, uh, my goal was as it wore out, I was just throw my I, my goal was I'm gonna throw it even if it's totally not cocked. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it hard enough to get the pin out. Okay. And so I I had, <coughs> I had you know hard throw hard throw hard throw like in a in a positive way. I was just throwing it with intention, right? And then. I was filming a tandem video and I did just a regular throw. Like not an angry hard like I have a worn out pilot shoot throw. I did a regular one that would have worked with a good pilot shoot. And I went, oh, that's not going to be good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I felt it come off my back and the, the lines were just like it didn't feel normal. The lines were real noodly. Like <laughs> they were just, it didn't feel like yeah. there was a whole lot on the, on, on the ends, right? Like it was just real... Uh, it was just wonky. It didn't. It didn't feel right. And so I look up, and like it's still even cocooned a little bit. It's like in that shape that it looks like when you lay it down. And it's like it's not the tail's not coming unwrapped. And then all of a sudden it starts to open, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's gonna be. I'm gonna have a fine opening. Ah, and then fine. because of that lack of tension on the lines, it didn't keep them straight. Something got wrapped around something else, and it started spinning real fast, just all of a sudden. And I remember. Uh, you know, I had never thought this out in my emergency procedures of, hey, if it's spinning, grab the opposite input and don't and make it not spin anymore. I had never pictured this. That really? makes so much lo- logical sense, right? But it was like, I, I was... <laughs> I knew that one. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was, um, you know, I had just never, I had never practiced that. Okay. I had never thought about, I mean, it, it makes totally logical sense, right? Like, hey, if I'm spinning to the left, pull on the thing that makes me spin to the right and watch the spin stop. Yep. Like, that's really logical when we talk about it. But um, as part of, like, my emergency procedures of dealing with a malfunction, it's just nothing that I had rehearsed. And so 
I remember the spin starting, and the, instead of the thought in my head of being counter the spin, the thought in my head was, "Hey, stay awake because you've got a job to do." Because it was spinning that's that fast that I was like, I was. But that's a good one to, to keep <laughs> it, in your mind. It sure made me act fast. But um, then I, you know, I pulled my handles, emergency procedures, great, reserve, fine, everything was was good, and I landed. And then I just started thinking way too much about it. <sighs> about uh, it's awful. Yeah, the th- like the thought of what if is always for me. The thought of what if is always worse than when the thing actually happens. It gives me way more anxiety and way more like mm-hmm. when a, every time a cutaway has happened, it's th- like in the moment is far less terrifying than the the moments that yes. I think I might have a malfunction. If that makes sense, because when something bad is happening, it's really clear for the most part of like, hey, this isn't a parachute I can land. I need to do something different. But uh, just thinking about the the malfunction over and over and over and um, thinking about, man, what if I had blacked out? How would this have ended? And uh, Oh, you took it differently than me. To me was, why the hell didn't I do this? Why the hell didn't I do that? I know we're supposed to talk about the cutaway later, but man. We can talk about okay. it right now. You had your first cutaway yesterday? Yep. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yay. How yeah. was it? Tell me all about it. I was really mad. Why? Because I got to fix it. I didn't have the altitude. I like pulling high. Because so I can fix. What, what sort of jump are you on? STP jump. So uh, it was a dive flow 16. They were pulling um, around 4,000. Wave at 4,500. Pull by 4,000. I always am not a big fan of those. Even though they're the most fun jumps in free fall to do. Um, but just the pull time. I don't like it. I do it because it's you know what we do. But then that doesn't give me a whole lot of time if I'm an idiot. And I was an idiot and got line twist. And Hold I on. I want to go back and be yeah. a little bit clear for everybody. The student pulling at 4,000 is not an issue that bothers no. you. No, no, no. It's the fact that you don't have to track away and get cleared to open by exactly. 3,000 yes. that bothers you. Exactly. Okay, yep. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so I went, though, <clears throat> and pulled. And as soon as I pulled, I realized that I was going to have a problem. And then it just spun up way more quickly than what I thought. And then I started cussing in my head because I listened to the video and I thought I was cussing out loud and I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I was definitely (laughs) cussing in my head and cut away, pulled a reserve and honestly didn't even think twice about that part. Like I was just mad. Like even whenever I landed in the video, I, you can see my shadow. I gather up my reserve and I'm just starting to storm off and walk and the four wheelers coming out to me and, I am just the walk itself. You can tell I'm mad. Like, don't mess with me. Don't do anything. Don't even talk to me. I'm mad because I just had to cut away. Because but you can no longer say you haven't had a cutaway. Well, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard you. That, that right there. But then also the fact is, is that if yeah. I had had the time, I, I really feel like I could have fixed it because I've sure. had worse things. But because I pull high, I can <laughs> fix it. So in my mind, it's an inconvenience even though it's still a malfunction, but it's an inconvenience because I don't cut away. Uh, so I want and to, you would just watch oh, your I, student with that super smooth pool. I mean, that was a badass pool right there. Yeah, I know. My <laughs> with a quick opening. Back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a quick opening. It was fast. <laughs> <laughs> no. When know, I, was, my, I was sharing it on the on the video here. And I definitely yeah. get your perspective and, and like why you're upset. I'm like, oh, if I just had a little bit more time, I could have gotten out of the line twists and yada, yada, and, and been fine. But I didn't. And I know my pull t- or my cutaway decision altitude. My decision altitude is my decision altitude. And I'm not going to deviate from that. I have my audible set 500 feet higher so that I have time to really go, well, I'm really fucked or else... 
hey, I can get this done in 500 feet. And whenever it went off, I go, nope, I'm really, really screwed here. Crap. Son of a bitch. And so, yeah. So I guess that uh, for me, I think the right thing just depends on how how severe the malfunction is. Like if you've got some, you know, a spin happening and it doesn't feel, you know, it's not a violent spin. You're not stuck on your back. You're at least feeling progress of, of some sort, rotating one direction or the other. Or you can, you know, uh, for those uh, people just listening, you couldn't see the line twist, right? No, I couldn't. Um, I knew that they were there, and I was definitely on my back spinning. I was diving because I could see my feet go above the horizon and stuff from every once in a while. Like, oh, man. And it wasn't super fast, but it was just... It was not slow. Yeah, it, it wasn't it's slow enough to where I was like, oh, no problem. But then I, I again, watched the video, like you, you said, on another malfunction, thinking about it. I've watched that video probably a hundred times. And I feel like I even had time to arch on the cutaway. Like, I, I was much more stable just because I was arching to then pull my cutaway handle and then go to my reserve. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that was really stable. Why couldn't I have done that? And yeah. I'm still happy that I cut away. Like, it was a bad parachute. It's just... One thing you inferred is your decision altitude is your decision altitude, and you might have cut away sooner. I really want to emphasize in people's mind, uh, and, and you agree with this, it's not conflicting with you, is decide and act by. Yes. You don't have to wait till your fucking decision altitude. Uh, Nick said that was kind of the point that that I was getting to of like, Hey, I'm not going to fight. Like I know that I, I I love to pull high just like you. Like my favorite part of filming a tandem video is the fact that I get to pull high and I get extra (laughs) canopy time. I'm not, I can, I can, I can use my brakes a bunch, but it's like, Hey, I pulled at 4,500 feet. It's like, man, I'm definitely not going to wait till two grand to, to, spin myself into unconsciousness because oh i'm still above my decision altitude and i still might be able to fix it it's like hey this yeah. for sure is fucked phil <laughs> like this is fine well, no. i don't need to fight with it i could buy a new parachute yeah like if if this real if if this really goes badly and no one's eyes are on it and it's like how often is baseland do we not see a cutaway land Dude, whenever I landed, even though I kind of knew the general area, because whenever I landed, I luckily was able to turn around to just see it barely go down into the tree lines. Mm-hmm. So I had a general idea, but I had people on ground. I had three people send me pictures. I had one send me video. I already had the pilots on board to find it. The pilots were phenomenal and found it. Well, everyone yeah. definitely owes you because <laughs> you looked for probably all of those people, except for maybe whoever was on ground crew. I bet yeah. you've looked for almost everyone's gear already. So, of course, everyone should have helped you. That's a, that's why uh, I wasn't going to let you go into the trees by yourself <laughs> and get that parachute. It's like, if this was anyone's gear, you're for sure going after it. So if it's your gear, I want to help. Well, and th- that was just it. Was There was so much ground support on it to where it almost made it, and I'm thankful, but it, it almost made me not even feel like it was a challenge because everybody was so helpful, which is phenomenal. And I, I'm, I want that. But I'm like, man... Whenever I go after other people's, <laughs> let gear, me look a little. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was but great. No, someone's probably going to see your chop, and mm-hmm. if someone doesn't, we're going to still pull up the video, and we're still going to use spot assist, and we're still going to. Well, what was we're going to do our best to find it? Was I'm coming in on the reserve because I'm like, oh man, I'm on an STP jump, even though I know uh, I my student's fine. She's Diflow 16, and she's phenomenal in her canopy. She doesn't need radio. But I go, I'm like, I need to get to the barrel. And then all of a sudden I see somebody standing there. Luckily, it was, I mean, it could have been anybody, but it was Hank. I learned after the fact. But I saw somebody standing there that didn't have a rig on. I automatically knew that I was okay. 
Yeah, not to have to cross the runway low, not to do anything. I could land safely on property, and, and that was because people were watching, and that I'd be unthankful for. I love you guys. Yeah, I, I just—it's a complete sidetrack. But man, somebody recently asked me about Spaceland's process of our student radios, and they weren't uh, doubting or questioning. They were asking. They were mm-hmm. truly questioning or inquisitive. Um, and I told them the policy is simple. We have the radio board. You put your students on there. We have radios. We use the radios. If somebody land, if you land off, we for sure have somebody on the radio. Oh yeah, is that really going to happen? Yeah, it happens all the time. Several times a year, I run to the radio and I pull up my phone. I have it saved on my phone, and I can just yeah. name a student. I hand it off to you guys. And to know, just a little side. Like I just had this conversation the other day with somebody. Um, again, I think it was a very respectful questioning and conversation. And to know how well you guys and gals, and Nick even uh, said it, how people know where your canopy is. This community is so effing strong, and it's the skydiving community in general. But Spaceland, I think, you're a bunch of unique motherfuckers. There's a reason I call Spaceland <laughs> home. And, uh, cause you cocksuckers, you cocksuckers are the fucking best in the fucking world. I feel better now. Good, I'm glad you got that off your chest. <laughs> and while we're sidetracking, I do, I do remember what I was talking about before oh, I oh, went down the Omega yeah. And that was the fact that I was terrified opening my parachute for, for a while. <laughs> the child pornography. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that where we started? <laughs> I thought we were going to child porn here, man. With him. No, it is correct. That is how we <laughs> went there. Isn't that where it was? Yes, it was. Correct. But, I agree. Uh, you know, it took a lot of uh, retraining for me. <laughs> so maybe scared of pulling <laughs> out. <laughs> Dude, you can't get a schmeagle. Out, Every, everyone oh, knows you out. can't get a god. I'm, I'm not even gonna. I just stopped myself from saying a really terrible thing that doesn't happen to me very often. Oh, come on, Nick. We're friends. Here everyone sure. knows you can't get a child pregnant. <laughs> what the fuck? I told. Okay, you're totally going to hell. Yeah, that was one. I, w- I didn't have to say it. I've seen your girlfriend. You're obviously trying. I like them small. As long as it's before she can grow a mustache. She's not a child if she can grow a mustache. Happy New Year. Let's get the shit good. Happy Man, New it's, Year, it's, Nick. It's not very, it's not very common that I have the thought of like, oh, people are gonna listen to this. Don't say that thing. <laughs> and I always have diary in and the mouth, man. And I did so well for a second. You guys all put me up to it. It's awful. But, okay, I'm being, so glad we got it out of. But, okay, terif- so, terrified at pull time. So today was my first jump after the cutaway. How did you feel? Terrified at pull time. <laughs> <laughs> I still get that way. Dude, my tan- the tandem <laughs> student. Dude, I for real, le- legit got terrified. I want to get back yeah. to that story, but tell me about yours today. No, no, no. My The tandem it, student the went and was comforting me in the airplane. I've never had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> she was going and rubbing my shoulder and saying, it's okay. Because I was be trying fine. to control my breathing. <laughs> Uh, Pedro did, was laughing. How wow. did she know to calm you? Did she know you were, or were you that obviously <laughs> panicking? That no, she, no, no. Okay, so it was a student's uh, friend that had come for a tandem, a student that I taught, and so the student and I were talking about me having a cutaway, and she happened to be standing right there. I'm like, man, yeah, I'm a little freaked out without realizing she's standing right there, and I'm just telling my student he's got an A license. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a little worried about it, but eh, it'll be fine. And he goes, and he just laughs. He's like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. 
So then we're sitting in the plane and we're getting on jump run and I start closing my eyes, doing some deep breathing because I feel my heart racing and everything. I'm trying to control like me hyperventilating because I'm thinking, oh my God, I really hope that at pull time I don't have any issues because I'm kind of scared. And she sees me and she starts rubbing my shoulder and she's like, calm down, it's okay. And I just look at her wide eyed and Pedro's cracking up laughing because he's the tandem instructor. And, and I'm like, wait, what? And she goes, it's okay. You'll be okay. Going, Shouldn't it be the other way around? What the hell? I, you, you think Pedro put her up to it? N- I don't know. but <laughs> I have no clue. But man, I, I, I was in my own little world. Next thing I know, the tandem student's comforting me. Going, well, that's a new one. Okay. But I pulled and I didn't chop. Yes. How'd the tandem do? Uh, she did great. She Hell yeah. Everybody she, wins. Yeah. Yeah. The no, brother, goes you a don't even way. understand. Brother, no, you don't understand, brother. Brother, you don't understand. Brother. Pedro. Brother. brother. <laughs> yeah. I Man. love Pedro. Uh, dude, I'm glad he's back from the holidays. He, oh, me too. Yeah. Family. Man, the holidays were great. Uh, speaking of which, how were your holidays? You, yeah, well, you, you, uh, you visited family, but family's local for you. Mm-hmm. Your parents live where? Uh, they live up in Montgomery, so about an hour and a half away from the DZ. Montgomery. Near Walden. It's uh, Conroe and about okay. 15, 20 minutes west of Conroe. I always call it Cornrow, but I'm there. Yep, Cornrow. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. I have no foundation. It just looks like Cornrow. I like when it. I Con- Cornrow. Cornrow. <laughs> yeah, when I moved here, I saw <laughs> it on a map <laughs> and it turned <laughs> into Cornrow. What are you is, is this the first show we've had since the, since the holidays? <clears throat> I believe so. Well, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, I guess so. It's only the yeah, 7th of January. I, I ain't been here in a while. We were supposed to do a show last week, and I just completely did, just I honestly didn't give a fuck. I needed to relax. I had a lot of stuff going on catching up from holidays, and I said, hey, I'm taking the week off. Um, oh, I know what happened. It was my birthday last week. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wanted to take that night off. I didn't want to do a birthday. show on my birthday. Finally in your Happy 60s. Birthday. What's it like? Oh, dude, Ooh, 16 years yeah, old. Yeah, man. Um, uh, you know, I have a lot more hair in my 60s than I thought I would. Um, I still get morning wood, and in my age, I'm pretty excited about Congratulations. that. Congratulations. As a young man, I was pretty embarrassed of it. Today, I'm pretty proud of it. So, uh, you know, life is good. I feel like, tell me about the good old days, Grandpa. Well, back in my day, when we pulled low, <laughs> when skydiving was safe and sex was dangerous. Hey, no, 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 when stuff was safe and skydiving was dangerous. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Right there. But now, <laughs> now traveling to Florida for the holidays is dangerous. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, Arizona, I am apparently. The, I am you the mean devil. Florida? No, he's mocking me because I am the devil <laughs> and flew for Christmas. Ah, got so it. Uh, Valerie and I will commonly go uh, to a little town called Niceville, uh, just east of Pensacola. It's about a nine-hour drive from Houston, and we typically drive there. Uh, her family, my in-laws, are there, and we we vacation there a lot. And this year, we said, "F it, we are going to fly. Um, we are just going to be super, super cautious." And if you know me, super cautious is not too hard. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's I, it's I've I've watched friends on social media condemn if you fly over the holidays. I hope you lose the lung. And, and I'm sorry, bro. I hope I don't <laughs> lose a lung. I hope you don't lose a lung either. Um, I hope are if so you, dramatic. Yeah, I hope if you travel for the holidays that you take all the safe and right precautions. I hope exactly. that your family considers the risk you're taking. Our whole family communicated. This was a very thought out decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came back, I know it's not a two week quarantine, but I didn't leave the house for seven days just to get an understanding of where I was at, a baseline of where I was at. Um, again, it wasn't two weeks. I get that. Uh, actually, the CDC is now recommending seven to 10 days, not two weeks for quarantine. Yeah, they've been recon- uh, recommending that for a while. Yeah, they pulled it back. And so uh, we were careful. But dude, we went to uh, IH Bush Intercontinental. 
And we went there four hours early because we expected bad traffic. We traveled December 23rd. We expected bad traffic from the long-term parking to the airport. We expected bad traffic everywhere, everywhere. Zero traffic to the airport. We immediately parked our car, immediately got on that shuttle bus, and immediately pulled off to the airport because nobody was there. Dropped us off to the airport. There was nobody in any TSA lines at the terminal we were in. Terminal C, for those who travel here in Houston, is a big one. Um, nobody, not not regular TSA, not pre nobody. We walked through. There was a guy leaving pre-TSA uh, as we walked into TSA. Uh, we sat down, ate lunch, and there was like two other people in this pretty big restaurant there. Um, at 1 o'clock when our flight took off, it was still more dead. It was busy, but it was more dead than a average weekday in the summer it was it was super dead and the news made it sound like millions and millions of people were traveling and all heck was dude one i saw i saw a report that 1.5 million people traveled that's amazing this christmas that's nothing there's seven fucking million people in the greater houston area get fucked you're (laughs) making a big deal about one and a half million suck my (laughs) tiny chinese penis I can't even say genus. I thought, I thought genus. you were, were going to say your chiny Chinese penis, which I was going to really like. I like genus. <laughs> I thought it was Japanese. <laughs> we're all the same, you round-eyed motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you all look like you're an HD man. You're widescreen TV to my face. Fucking, I look like a four by three TV, like old school man. You're white ass. I probably look like I'm still in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> it's brown and white, dude. It's yellow and white. Yellow, Come on, yellow, yellow and white. And white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we also flew into a small regional airport, so we flew in a small jet that was two and two. So separation was pretty easy. The plane wasn't full. Coming back, a small airport plane wasn't full. Um, dude, it was pretty low key. Um, I don't wear an N95 mask everywhere I go. I do believe in leaving those for the times that you need them. But we do have in 95 masks, and we wore those for the trip. Um, when we got where we got, um, my sister-in-law wouldn't actually greet us until we got home and cleaned up. She's like, hey, 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 little, little elbow. And once we got home and cleaned up and, and freshened up and changed, she was uh, everything was nice, everything was good. That's good. Yeah, so we had a great time with family. Um, my in-laws, dude. I uh, y- You ever hear bad in-law stories? You ever hear horror stories? Sure, in-laws? yeah. Dude, I have, Valerie and I are both blessed. Um, my in-laws, uh, get along great with, with me. Um, at least I think they do. Um, I love my in-laws to death. My father-in-law, uh, my mother-in-law's passed away. My brother, uh, sister-in-law's just super, super fucking chill time. So, uh, got chauffeured by a 20 year old girl driving who drove pretty sane. Oh, that's always nice. I was afraid of the 16-year-old so, driving. So she wasn't from the Asian <laughs> side of the family? No, no, they're all oh, white. Oh, man. <laughs> very, very, it's a very white family in the Jacks clan. Very white family. So, um, No, nah, dudes, I travel. These, yeah. these are the Rudas? Uh, yeah, so Ruda is Valerie's maiden name. It's her sister. So Valerie's got two sisters. Uh, so there's the three girls. One of the sisters. I was going to say two sisters. <laughs> two sisters, so there's three girls. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if you notice, I did the wife. <laughs> Um, and he has uh, so three we visited up. one of the middle. S- yeah, yeah. We, we visited <laughs> oh, the middle yeah. sister's family. So uh, Shelly and Dean, they family there. They have a, a, a chiropractor practice there, a, fa- a nice house there. Uh, it's kind of in the middle. One sister lives in Indiana, drove down from Indiana. Father-in-law lives in South Florida in retiring community. He drove up. Motherfucker took a seven-hour drive and made it like 17 hours or something like that. What? I have no clue, man. My <laughs> father-in-law, because 45 minutes after he left his house, he had to pull over and take a nap. 
<laughs> zero joke. Zero, oh zero joke, man. Uh, he, he he used paper maps to get there. I'm really? Wow. I remember the old school key maps that you had? Yeah, man. No, not a joke, dude. It, it's a, it, and I mean, God bless my father-in-law. He's a super nice dude. I think he is missing. Like he's starting to lose some of his mental capacity because he's made this drive enough times that he should have been able to make it easy enough. Mm-hmm. He's also 77, um, who's super good health, super good condition. But I think it's a 77, you got to be missing a step somewhere. You got to. I agree with that. And if you ever saw a picture of Val's dad, you would like, I, it creeps me out because I'm dating her dad. Like, I see pictures of them together. I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do it. So, <laughs> I love you, Jerry, but I'm not going to date you, man. Weirdo. God, I would feel so embarrassed if he ever heard anything that we were talking about <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so you're all racist and your friend fucks kids. <laughs> like, God. Sorry, world. I'm sorry this is what we do. I think he's pretty non-judgmental. Yeah, you think? Uh, he would go down to Key West a couple times, three or four times during whatever freak week they have at Key West, a big festival carnival where people dress up like a bunch of weirdos and freaks and cross-dress and do whatever weird It gets weird are. down there. Yeah. And I've he, been there around that time. Yeah, he goes down there for the enjoyment of it all. Um, I don't think he dresses up himself, but I think he's very... People he, watching. He was very... He's a very conservative man in general. He was a CEO of a company. He's a very conservative professional man. And when he retired, he grew out his fucking rat tail. Hmm. My father-in-law <laughs> has got a rat tail. Like, it, it's, it's gnarly. He's got the cul-de-sac hairdo. You know my hairdo? And grows out the <laughs> cul-de-sac. I've never heard it called. Yeah, that. dude. Like I live right here on the knuckle over here. <laughs> like, it's true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so fuck you. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> which part of Florida do I live in? Uh, which father-in-law? Uh, yeah. Where where you where you went to? Uh, Niceville or Destin? Destin is what most people will know. Niceville is across the bay. Okay. My sister lives. That's in a Gold pretty Freeze long haul down to Key West, then. Oh, uh, well, no, he doesn't live in Key West. He spends time down there. He lives yeah. in uh, Naples area, Punta Gorda, if you know okay. where that is. Yeah, I know where Naples so, yeah. is. Sorry, Val, I'm giving away your family history. Uh, we've, we've, like, <laughs> Hi, Val. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if anybody in her family listens to this, it'll be uh, the crazy one. What's her name? Uh, I love you, Tracy. <laughs> How you doing? The crazy one. <laughs> I don't know your name, but I love you. No, no Tracy's super, super nice lady. I, when I say the crazy one, she'll probably get a good laugh and say yes. So <laughs> we're all good. Um, yeah, so I was a devil. I flew over Christmas. If you think that's evil, I'm sorry that you think you, that's evil. Um, I think you're fucking ugly, so that's okay. <laughs> I agree get with that 100%. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, and I don't mean that physically. You might be beautifully attractive, but if you think I'm an idiot for traveling, you're ugly as a human being, and that's okay. Yeah. You're a monster. Speaking of monsters, Stephanie... Don't cross the beer line when Stephanie's watching. She turns into a monster. The beer monster. Because I've never, ever crossed the beer line. Man, you're the favorite one that people want to catch cross the beer line. Oh, dude. It's like winning the lottery <laughs> like whenever I do. Uh, what was it? Uh, the first time I tried to land in the triangle... I did not. Oh, you landed right on the taxiway. Yeah. That was awesome. I remember that. <laughs> and I heard every As long as you stand person. it up, it's okay. Right? Oh, oh, totally did, yeah. man. <laughs> I was more scared about getting like in the ditch where there was all this water. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so I turn on a final and I start going backwards. And I go, well, this isn't going to work out well. And uh, I just start laughing. I'm like, man, I really hope I land on the taxiway at least because that ditch is just full of water. 
And I knew I owed beer no matter what. And then as soon as my feet touched down, I heard not only people from the triangle, but then the entire hangar, I swear somebody went on the mic. I swear to God somebody did. <laughs> and they all screamed beer towards me. I'm like, yep, yep. And I paid my beer, beer fine. How many I times did. have you yelled beer, though? Oh, I, I made Chuck Akers pay his beer and Scott Latinus. <laughs> Come on now. But you wouldn't call out Steve Sr. Pussy. Oh, I totally called him out. No, you didn't. No. The day he lay across the runway 200 feet and I said, are you going to say anything? And you oh, said, no, 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 not whenever he crossed the runway. Nope, yeah. nope, nope. I did, <laughs> I did call him out on a beer line, though. Okay, beer, yeah. But that was after the fact. Oh, I, I know which one you called him on the beer yeah. line. Yeah. At that I, yeah. point, you'd seen me call him out. Yeah, and, and then were, I got a little braver and then I wasn't so chicken. Yes. <laughs> if you do it right, you do it friendly, you make it fun. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, for real, I want you to know you fucked up. Like, I don't know if you know the story of Steve Sr. getting coaching with Tex and set up to land in the main area, but Tex swoops upon. So Steve decides, oh, I'm going to land with Tex. Crosses the runway 200 feet, does a <laughs> left 90, lands with Tex. Awesome. <laughs> he walks back in. and He every, owns the place. Do whatever you want. Every yeah. day. <laughs> He's got permission. Right? Well, I'm standing next to DJ. He, I'm like, he are owns you the airplane. kidding me? He owns the airplane that's going to hit him. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> right. well, that, that's what I said. And DJ's like, well, I'm going to say something. I'm like, okay, you can because I'm totally chicken. I do what I want. I, call, I, do, I would straight out call him out, but I had a good time with it, man. Steve is... Uh, man, God, I love the boys have been super family to me. They've been really good. And They're amazing. I felt like I could joke with them and, and pull this off. And it was in front of a small crowd. So I'm like, I really got to play this smart or I'm oh, about yeah. to fuck myself in the asshole <laughs> real hard with six inches of Steve's dick. Um, yeah. Or eight. Sorry, Steve. Sorry to undersell you, bro. Um, <laughs> but so I was like, hey, uh, Steve. And he's like, DJ, don't say a thing. Uh, Steve, st- don't say anything. Like, so how, don't say anything. How am I supposed to tell people they can't do that when they're going to tell me, but the owner does? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I forget how it goes, but I just kind of kept poking at the topic and he kept poking straight back and he walked, he goes, yeah, yeah, nope, you're right. And uh, it was a lot of fun. He, he, he was so cool about it and he owned it. Uh-huh. Oh, say, yeah, 100%. The neatest thing that I, I appreciated that day is he had the mentality that Nick said, and I straight up agree with this. The drop zone is his fucking ball, and if he wants to take his he ball and go home, he, he can do that. It's his, he's <laughs> the owner of the drop zone. Yeah, yeah. If he when want, it comes down to it. it. It's do whatever the fuck you want. The rules are or whatever you want them but, to do, right? But the fact is, is after violating the rules as a leader, he then took ownership and saying, like, you know what, man? No. And that's why I love him to death is because that's what he does. We need to be a leader and we need to lead by example. And I love and I wish more of my friends, whether they're instructors, whether they're safety and training advisors, whether they're cocksuckers in the RV park. I don't care what you do. <laughs> I'm in the cocksucker tonight, man. <laughs> Fuck, cut that and make it a clip. I'm in the cocksucker. <laughs> how, how much of the scotch have you had now? Dude, it's not know, even man. the scotch, man. I you missed you guys. little glass. Dude, yeah, I had a fucking tiny, like I had a fucking <laughs> finger, smidge. bro. Not even up my butt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Man, Speaking I'm of things that are getting loose. Me finger, hello, governor. And now he's British. <laughs> man. It's going to be a good night. Uh, man, I, I wish everybody would take that idea of like, you know what, I'm a leader and people are going to mimic and do, and do what I do. I got no doubt Nick wants to rip a crosswinder along the fucking beer line and then carve 90 degrees into the wind. Of all the things I knew how to do freestyle, knew I don't know if I can land a parachute anymore to save my life, um, a fucking fat wing over 90 degrees into the wind is, is absolutely my favorite thing in the world. And I, I, I don't, there's nothing I love more than carving a wing. Um, I think, Nick, you're pretty similar to that feeling. 
Carving's a lot of fun. I probably have forgotten <laughs> how to do it. But you don't do it because you're a leader, not not for necessarily any other reason. And honestly, um, I was uh, since I moved to Spaceland, a proponent of limiting the landing area. Uh, if you want to boo me and say, DJ, you suck, you're right. I like to suck a lot of penis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, from, from early on, I would send staff meetings and we would talk about it. And I would actually suggest that this is something that we should do. Um, Steve would say to me, uh, that would limit your turn on work jumps. I was a full-time instructor doing a thousand jumps a year at the time. I'm like, I understand that. And that's a sacrifice I make. It's a working jump. I'm not having fun. I'm not paying for it. I'm obligated to work. If I want to have fun, then I can pay and do my shit anywhere else. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, I've pushed for it, but I, I, if you ever want to make change, man, do, I, I think I did a good job at this. Um, I would suggest it. And when Steve would shoot it down or ask questions, I would answer it, and then we'd move on, and I'd never push for it again. I'd bring it up every two to three years, and after a while, the drop zone brought it in. Um, I was not the only person, and, and, and if you want to make change, please take my point there of don't push, don't badger. You're not going to get anywhere. Mention something that you think is a good idea, and then step away from it. Exactly. Let that person digest it. Uh, Nick, you and I have had some conversations recently about drop zone policy with the STP department. Mm-hmm. And I told you uh, historically what the drop zone's decision has been, mm-hmm. what is currently going on, and what my opinions are. Let me know, and, and I think I ended the conversation almost verbatim. Let me know what you decide, so I can act on your best behalf. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you do a really great job of informing and supporting, and uh, you know, yeah, not, not being forceful or, or judgmental on either side. It's Steve's fucking ball, man. If he wants to, t- it's now. Thankfully, this is an easy conversation. Steve is does a great job, but I have two. If I'm a full time instructor, Scott, I've Space Lander, Scott, I've any fucking where in the world, I have two things I must mandate of my boss. Don't ask me to endanger anybody. Pay me. Everything else is optional. If I don't like your rules, your policies, your procedures, I can fucking leave. Exactly. But one thing I love about Spaceland and why... Um, I've been here 15 years, by the way. Yeah, and I, don't, I really don't want to leave is because yes. Spaceland, <laughs> Spaceland, though, has never made me feel like forced me into jumping in something that I'm not comfortable with. Uh, so the first jump today, I was up for some other jumps afterwards, and I said no. On a cross brace canopy, I didn't like the way that the winds felt. And that was the honest reason on it was I was uncomfortable with it. And also within I was already skittish from the chop and everything. I was not comfortable jumping. Like, I'm glad that I jumped, but I was not comfortable 100 percent. Like felt I, I would full control over everything. There was no pressure, no nothing. It was OK, cool. No problem. Uh, we're going to try to work around it. And I, I was like, dude, I'm hanging out to the end of the day. Make sure that you don't need me. And then I'm going to leave. And there was never once that. And I've never felt that while at Spaceland. Ever. And that's one reason why I love Spaceland. Where I've talked with other friends at other drop zones where they are pressured into uncomfortable situations. And I don't like that. Is I know what my limits are and what I'm comfortable with. And I could probably push my limits, but it, I'm not comfortable with that. And Spaceland's never, ever once made me think that. I've been able to stand down and basically say, no, I'm not doing it. And I haven't felt the risk of getting fired or anything. I think we have the benefit of having to, like, some pretty highly experienced people, both uh, people who have been skydiving for a long time and have been at this Spaceland location for a long time. So you get a good read of, you know, what the weather's doing and, uh, hey, the wind says this. Uh, like, it's, it's just between 
the different people that we have and the high levels of experience of those people, it's pretty easy to make a, a good call. Yeah. And when, you know, when anyone has uh, got a good enough reason to not go, then we don't go. And if the consensus of the group of everyone, yeah, we've this, this all feels acceptable. These wins look great. Uh, the experience of the people on the board seems to match the situation that we're in. Great, we go. But I've I've held entire loads because there was one instructor who didn't want to go, and we didn't. Yeah. Um, well, but the on the other side is I've been able to push my limits and learn what my limits should be, like running, uh, landing on the taxiway on that day. <laughs> So going backwards, I learned, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, this might be a little too much. I, I think you probably learned how to adjust your turn from downwind to base in a different spot with yeah. this, those wind conditions. Yeah, yeah. But it was still, I was uncomfortable with it, but I wasn't too uncomfortable where I didn't want to do it. And everybody was supportive. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a ba- there's balance to find there. Like that's that's where growth is, right? Yeah. Of hey, there's this thing. That, wh- are you mouth farting right now? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I was nobody noticed. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm wearing headphones. <laughs> it's pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the little the, waveform on Audacity. The first one, I wasn't <laughs> sure where it came from. The second one, I was like, okay, someone's. I'm watching him do it right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's how it. you're going to grow, yeah. right? Is, hey, this feels <laughs> a little bit uncomfortable, Boop but your peop- the, the people around you who know you and know your skill set and care about you aren't going to try and put you up in something that you're not okay to, to be up in. Yeah, I've been they, told they, to stand down before uh, by people like, I'm like, oh, no, I'll be fine. And they, then I've had three people come up to me and go, yeah, no, you're standing down. Okay. So supportive and honest, right? Yeah. I think that's a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't want anyone to go in anything that they didn't feel. Or <laughs> again, there, there's a balance here of like, I, I, like, hey, I have. I'm a little nervous about it. Great. If I didn't go on every jump that I was nervous for for some reason, I would have a lot less skydives than I do. Right. And I would probably have quit skydiving knowing that. Right. Yeah. And I, there are a lot of uh, challenging jumps that I learned from and did okay on that I wouldn't have gone on if I was really worried or if I really listened to my nerves. Right. Yeah. Does somebody else? Do, what's that's okay? That it's my mic. mic stand. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm answering an email. I'm sorry. So I think that that, that nervous feeling is important to acknowledge. And uh, when you have that feeling, I think that's a really great time to ask other people what they think, because it's I think it's easier for others to be objective about their uh, about someone else's skill set. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I know Steph. I I know what what she should be capable of based on the things that I've seen her do. And I'm not having her feelings right now that are going to, you know, sway that opinion. Well, it's just like whenever I finally jumped that cross brace canopy for the first time. And how was it? More than a feeling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Ooga chaka. <laughs> uh, it, it was definitely different. Uh, very ground hungry. But I went to you. So uh, what DJ? canopy were you flying before this? Uh, so I had my beautiful seven cell canopies, the storm canopies. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the X fire, put maybe, I think 70 jumps on that. And then maybe 75. And I got an opportunity to jump a JFX that was larger than the X fire. What, what size of crossfire? Uh, the X fire was a 92 and then the JFX is 94. Not much difference, but I could tell the difference on that one. Um, not much difference in size, but a lot of difference in performance. Yeah. So the flare, w- I thought, was very similar, which apparently people found that appalling. But uh, harness input and everything, oh, cross brace, 100% was 
much more responsive of everything, and it's way more ground hungry. So one of the things that I tell somebody before they make their first cross-space jump is when you open, you'll realize or understand flying a wing is a whole other word. Welcome to yeah. a wing. You've never flown a wing, and I believe every, all our parachutes are wings, but you've never flown a wing till you've flown a cross-space canopy. Oh, my God. The opening was beautiful. For the first time, I actually said <coughs> a canopy beside a storm had a better opening than a storm. Um, whenever I jumped the JFX. I never thought I'd say that. But I freaking love the openings. They're amazing. And then I just have to get used to everything else. And so fly it conservatively. But yeah, it's a different can of worms. That's for sure. I like it. It's fun. I, first of all, if you hear the numbers and the progression she made, I don't recommend the numbers and, rec- and what she said. What a lot of you don't know is Stephanie's background with uh, Canopy. Uh, she, I almost didn't get my A license because I couldn't land a Canopy. Well, and I wouldn't, I'm not even going there. I'm going with the fact that you jumped lighter wing loadings and stayed on the same wings for so long that it wasn't overlearning. There is no such thing. But when we say you should be progressing and moving on a Canopy so well... Uh, there's a time and a place if you learn a canopy, not by skill, but by time and experience. You can get good with a canopy, mm-hmm. but the amount of experience or time you have on that wing is really what's going to get you to master it. Then a little bit faster progression later on can happen. And the amount of coaching you got, the amount of guidance you have, and the amount of jumps you put at those lighter wing lo- loadings, uh, you took a fast progression in the end, but it was appropriate for your background. But it still makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I've heard enough bodies impact the ground and seen enough stupid people working ground to where um, any quick downsizing I'm scared of. Are you making out with Mike? Um, you're the first <laughs> person to ever notice that. I will actually grab the pot filter with my lips. And I was looking at the, the screen and seeing if it could see. I like, I, I've done that forever. You're totally making out with the mic. I've actually, I've like, if you ever pay attention, I change mine regularly because every now and then there's chunks missing because it's not uncommon <laughs> that I actually bite. Well, we know like you, pieces what he likes doing his past. Man, I, man, Nick, I seen you do it. You like sometimes you get like a little lost in the conversation and you'll just start playing with this like little black thing in your face. And yeah, I used to, <laughs> I used to tie knots in the cables. Just play with the. T- I like still do that, man. That's definitely wait, wait, wait. a thing. Nick, so, right here. So you get lost or you get bored? I catch myself listening. I get lost. Okay. No, lost. No, no, because you notice I was in eye contact with you when you, which you is were. why you caught me. <laughs> you, we've had this conversation on, on the show before. I've actually sat here and decided deep throating the mic was something I would try one night. <laughs> and it wasn't. Go for it, DJ. Go. <laughs> and I, ah, ah, ah. I like, ah, opened my jaw up as wide as I could as I was like, let me see if I can bite the mic. And I, thankfully, I don't think anybody caught me that night. Did you? <laughs> I don't know. The I've best part is I get the instant replay on the lag on the screen over oh, here, so I get to watch man. you deep throat it all over again. I, feel I like want to is, see this. This is something we've definitely talked yeah. about. So I don't know if we talked about it when it happened, or if we talked about it another time. Alcohol. Because I, I, I remember I, ha- I had the same thought the last time you talked about it of getting your mouth open far enough to get the microphone in <laughs> and getting it stuck in your teeth and not being oh. able to get it out of oh your my mouth. God. Oh. That's a big fear. (laughs) (laughs) He's out. DJ's out. Broken DJ. (laughs) Man, this is an unusually rowdy episode of the podcast. I didn't think that uh, this we had in store tonight. What have you got there, Steph? 
Is that Jack in the Box? Yeah. He's got a little pointy nose. Just you got a, a Jack in the Box skydiver. <coughs> I feel like there's got to be a story connected to this. There story. is none, really. Somebody noticed that the other day, and I forgot I had him. I started jumping in 97. In 1997, Jack in the Box had that as a giveaway or a buy a toy or whatever from really? Jack in the Box. I bought it when I was a brand new young jumper. I've had it ever since. So that guy has been skydiving uh, since 1997. <coughs> oh, look at him. Actually, yeah. he's been skydiving since 98 because in 1998, I took him on a jump. So I did. I was a tandem instructor in 98. Took a little Jack in the Box guy. I keep stupid shit up in my ceiling fan. <coughs> you okay there, Killer? Corona. I'm all right. <laughs> That's what I thought. He got the Rona. <laughs> so at what point uh, after your, your jump today uh, did your nerves settle? Did they settle in free fall? Did they settle when you were under a good parachute? Did they settle when you were on the ground? I was in the packing room and still shaking as I was doing my toggles like 30 minutes later. And then I finally <laughs> realized it was being an idiot, like a complete idiot and... Then I started coming down. What uh, what specifically were you thinking about when it was getting you worked up in the plane? Uh, I didn't want to shop again. Even though for once it wasn't my back job. I was really excited about that. <laughs> like, but no, um, the fact is, is that I was just nervous about having to shop again. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't nervous at all during the, the cutaway or anything like that. Again, I was cussing and I was ticked off and... I, I wasn't scared at all for the cutaway. It was just then after the fact, after it all set in, and I'm like, oh, crap. Hey, I cut away. Cool. And how many how many jumps do you have? Uh, the chop was 1,579. Oh, wow. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. I was DJ, how, how many jumps did you have before your first chop? <clears throat> 700-ish. Yeah, it was Justin, really have you had a cutaway? I have not. And how many jumps do you have? Like seven fifty ish. But it's coming, but, baby. It's coming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Justin and it I have a, a great story where he got blood poisoning from poison ivy, right? Yeah. Poison oak. Yeah, poison oak. Yeah. They let we did a four way. Um the pilot it was a young pilot that doesn't work for us anymore and he has a girlfriend in the cockpit mm-hmm. and he's shown off. Mm-hmm. He green lighted <laughs> of the four yeah, way. You're telling the story, yeah. right? Of yeah, the we got out we got out at like seventeen grand. I had the least because number of jumps. He wasn't paying attention. Oh yeah. Yeah. Least number of jumps and they want me to spot. <clears throat> I've got like maybe sixty jumps, seventy jumps, I don't know. You were a math teacher, you can do it. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> My hop and pop was the first time I spotted the drop zone and I was super excited. Okay, but yeah, so I'm supposed to spot and like know the distance and the winds and everything. I don't have a clue because I'm an idiot. And mm-hmm. I go and I forget, I'm like, I think I was yeah. inside center or something. Yeah, I was inside, so I, I didn't even look. And I know now better than that. Yeah, I yeah, I, I helped teach you that lesson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I learned that lesson the hard yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. He landed in thorns and everything. Uh, poison oak got in his blood, and he looked like a battered child or something <laughs> or battered wife. It's kind of funny cause yeah. I got it. Um, so I had my, my suit on the entire time, which obviously helped a lot, but the problem was I landed in like thorn brush between trees. So I avoided the trees, landed in the brush. Uh, it punctured my skin and it got into my blood. I didn't have an immediate reaction, but like a few days later, uh, I started getting rashes like on the insides of my elbows, on the insides of my knees, like all the sensitive parts of your skin, like your armpits, all that stuff. Your eyes were all swollen. And didn't you have like some <clears throat> big important meeting or something? That you so, had yeah, to do? I was getting that. 
um, my my eye. Uh, so I had my visor up, obviously, and one of your one of your first reactions, I guess, is to take your helmet off after you land off. And it, I had like I want to say 150 jumps or so. Um, I took my helmet off and and scratched my face. Uh, cause it was, I was very itchy. I have really bad allergies, but I'd never been exposed to like poison ivy or poison oak or anything. You're uh, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a meeting, f- I think it was like five days after, uh, we landed off and we were submitting a proposal for like $18 million to do, uh, an EPC job for a client that we work with all the time, engineering and construction. Uh, and it was the first time I had ever met like their local, it's making me itch, like just talking about it. <laughs> but it's the first time I had ever met, met their local plant superintendents. I know like all their managers and stuff from my past life and my past job. Um, but I showed up and the right side of my face, like my eye, my eye was almost completely swollen shut. Mm. This was like two days after nursing, nursing it and like buying all, all the over counter, the shit I could get to like scrub it out and dry it out and make it to where I could see out of my eye. <laughs> and like hindsight, I should have went to a doctor, but I, <laughs> I did it the hard way. Uh, but showed up to this meeting like, yeah, I'm the lead. Uh, I'm the department manager for the electrical and instrumentation engineering for this firm, and we're submitting this proposal. It's sloth for <laughs> duties. Oh, my God. He yeah. wants a baby room. Right. Yes. And I'm going to PE stamp these drawings and all this shit. And it's like, I got in a bar fight mm-hmm. last night. <laughs> but no one actually asked me about it, so it wasn't that awkward. But still, I was like... I was talking to the business development guy, like, do you, are you sure you want me to go to this meeting? Like, did anybody offer you a baby root? (laughs) Baby root. My eye was completely (laughs) swollen shut the day before, the night before. I remember you sending me a picture and I felt terrible. But, and so I think bad. my response was, well, lesson learned. Don't let the most yes. inexperienced jumper spot the drop zone because well, when it's far away, it really is far away. And regardless <laughs> of, of, so it's different when you're in like a competitive four way and you trust everyone, you know everyone. But at that time, you know, I had 150 jumps. I think you were under 100. No, I had 60, 70 jumps. That was the lowest yeah. number. I you think were it was under Debbie 100. Hoppe. No. Yeah. We, had, we had one. One person Math on the teacher. jump, I forget who it was. Don Elsnor? Oh, it was Don Elsnor, yeah. yeah. That had a lot of jumps. We were all stoked um, about he was He was outside center. Um, and then we had, who else was Debbie there? Hoffer. Debbie, yeah. yeah. Debbie was there. She landed in uh, the cow and she was, a, Yeah, she was around the same amount of jumps that you were. Where I was on the plane, unfortunately, I tracked uh, towards the the actual ghetto, like catty corner to the ghetto. Yeah, Don was the only one who made it back, and he barely made it back. I remember that. Yeah, and then everybody thought I landed in the power lines across from the gas station. I just had such an unfortunate we position hoped. on where I was on break off. You weren't that and lucky. how far away we were. I held brakes the entire time to get out of the trees, and that's the only place I could land at the time. And so that's uh, when I learned now about I know, like, even if you're inside, maybe, you know, fucking look out of the airplane before you leave it. And know what the winds <laughs> are doing. <laughs> Hold on. Were yeah. you guys first out, last out? First How does out. this happen? Okay. And then yeah. everybody else landed even further out. Oh, so you were the first out, not on a short spot, still on a long spot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we had no clue about it because, mm-hmm. again, they let me spot. You keep saying no clue and past tense. You need to. 
Yeah, I, I still have no clue, but I try to do better. <laughs> so part of that conversation came from 750-ish jumps, no cutaway, uh, 1,500-ish jumps, a cutaway, um, three cutaways and 8,500 jumps. Um, I will argue how many cutaways I have because I won't count intentional cutaways. I have three cutaways, four reserve rides because somebody <laughs> cut away for me. Handles, yeah. Baby. <laughs> so I never really cut away. I one of my biggest fears I have in skydiving is somebody pulling my handles and free fall and fuck Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Go handles, we love you. Yeah. He has no Facebook, so yes. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I like he's a good dude. He, I he's love fine. handles, but like as an examiner, uh, Nick, I'm looking at the schedule right now. We have some plans coming up. Uh, I'm I'm on my back and I'm always concerned that when somebody goes to roll me over, they'll grab my handles. My buddy Jay Stokes has had that happen to him a couple of times. But Dallas had it happen to him. Yeah, randomly stable, you're not supposed to pull my cutaway handle. So I don't, I, don't yeah. I, I didn't cut away on that jump. I didn't have a malfunction. Je- well, I guess I did. It was called Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Jeff got a little flustered. <laughs> There's three types of malfunctions a total malfunction, a partial malfunction, and, and Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, handles. So are you counting that in your three or not? No, so I don't okay. count that oh, in my I wouldn't time. either. I wouldn't either. Yeah. 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 Who would have thought he'd mix up the cutaway handle with the, the pilot shoe? The best part was in free fall, you see him look from my main <laughs> handle to my cutaway handle, and you see him look back and forth. So I'm like, what are you doing? Any, mini, miny, mo, fucking pick one, dude. His, his, in fairness, his response was, your cutaway handle and your main handle was black, and it confused me. I'm like, fuck. Dude, but I can understand. AFF course is traumatizing, man. Dude, I've been doing these jumps for fucking 18 years, and what? nobody's pulled my fucking cutaway handle I'm while I'm stable. Nobody's even looked at the motherfucker. God damn it. I was trying to be nice and help out Jeff. Yeah. I should have known something was going on when he lit the fucking plane windows on the ride up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, handles. I really haven't drank that much, Nick. <laughs> I swear to God. What's in Noted. <laughs> uh, was it the dummy handle that he was? Was it a dummy no, handle? No, or no, Your no. actual handle. So that's what also confused him. It was uh, the first live, I think. Yes, he had yeah. been pulling a dummy handle So the previously. dummy handle is now gone. And he's now pulling okay. a live a little one. flustered. And... <clears throat> These jumps are high intensity. They're high paced. Basically, easiest description on a scale of one to ten difficulty. If you're capable of a six difficulty, we're performing at a seven to seven and a half. If you're capable of an eight, we're performing at eight and, uh, nine and a half. We're I'm always still traumatized by mine, and in a good way. Yeah, we're pushing you yeah. one step further than you're capable of of all times. If we're flying at a capability that you're able to keep up with, one of two things is going on: you're doing really good, or not so good. We're pulling back to let you get comfortable or you've caught up and like, dude, you got this. You, you're, you're crushing it. Um, <clears throat> so it, it's a stressful experience, no doubt. Um, I remember my AFF course and uh, Jay Stokes was my examiner and a very, very good friend of mine. But during that week, he's an asshole and I don't like him. <laughs> There's a week in my <laughs> life that he could go fuck himself in. Yeah, it was one week for you. I agree. I still call for Dahl an asshole from time to time. Well, technically, it was two weeks because I failed my first course. Oh. I still beat you. What do you mean you beat me? For the length of time for the course. Oh, no, you didn't because I didn't take two courses back to back. I took a course at the end of Uh, a season, had four months off, came back, started skydiving again, and took a whole new course. Okay. That makes sense. And back then, I had to take a whole new course. Okay, that I could definitely. See I didn't get to. I didn't get to continue complete. I had to take a second course completely. Yeah, that course took forever. <clears throat> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, for those who don't understand, Stephanie got weathered out during her course, and the weather never ever cooperated for her course for like three months. No, I'd say maybe two, but yeah. Yeah, it's quite a long time. Yeah. 
I want to go back to a conversation you had and a conversation that I think is a little controversial for some people, but I agree with your statement. Um, there are three types of parachutes. There are, to- or there, there, are, uh, there are three types of parachutes. A good parachute, a bad parachute, and a minor inconvenience. Yes. Line twist is not a malfunction until you have to cut it away. Exactly. It's a minor inconvenience. People argue, say, no, it's a malfunction. Then you should have cut it away. Yes. If it's a minor inconvenience, you can resolve it until you decide it is not. Slider hang up. Minor mm-hmm. inconvenience until it's not. Um, what do you think about that statement? Stephanie, you obviously agree. Yeah. For me, is uh, most of my things have always been an inconvenience. Um, there have been a couple times where I've grabbed a handle, ready to cut away, but luckily it worked itself out, so I didn't have to. Like, I've had a bag lock. The rubber band broke right as I was grabbing my handle to peel up. It was on a hop pop thankfully. So I had time for it to get, I guess, the tension, and it was an older rubber band. Um, did it still make me want to check my pants when I land? Yes. But again, inconvenience. It wasn't a malfunction because I didn't cut away. Um, but technically, textbook-wise, it was a bag lock. So yes. But yeah. Where do you stand on that conversation, Mr. P.? I'm not sure that I understand the question, if I'm being honest. Some people will argue that line twist is a malfunction. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming one, I guess. So I, people will hear me say it's a minor inconvenience until your decision altitude or it's something you decide you can't correct. To me, it's a malfunction <coughs> if you cut away. If you have to cut away, it's a malfunction. Otherwise, it's an inconvenience and annoyance. So my, my problem with the philosophy, there are people who actually hear this statement and say, no, it's a malfunction yes. that you can fix. Exactly. The problem I have with that is if I tell you as a young jumper, it's a malfunction that you can fix, what's the first word you heard? Malfunction. Primacy recency dictates in my brain that the first thing I heard is malfunction. The first word I heard is, oh my God, malfunction, I got fucking cut away. If I can convince you and get you to understand a minor inconvenience until it becomes a malfunction. Exactly. Chances are you may fix it. <clears throat> you said something earlier. I deployed at 5.5 five on a skydive. I don't have to wait to 2.5 to cut away or in no. my case, two grand to cut away. I deployed literally at 5.5 five on a skydive. Student, AFF student pitched at 6.5. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll pull a 5.5. Five. Plenty of time to fly my parachute. We had a great spot. Second pass on an STP here. Fucker spun. And at 2,000 feet, I got out of it. <clears throat> I fought, I fought, I fought. <clears throat> I was in control. I was aware. I was making minor, minor, minor uh, uh, progress at the last second. The thing, I mean, literally, I was about to cut away. It unspun. Yeah. Um, I was aware. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but the mindset that this is a minor inconvenience until I either reach my decision altitude I, or I become disoriented or I decide I can't do anything yeah. else with it. If, uh, if I decide from the beginning, this is, I have seen so many people who've cut away from something that I'm positive they can fix. And I've never told that person that. If you ever see your homie cut away from line twists they could have fixed, if you walk away, it's the right decision. When in doubt, whip it out. It's not a good idea on dates. It's not a good idea in preschools, yeah. Nick. But it is a good <laughs> idea in general. Preschool? I have a van, dude. <laughs> dude. He doesn't need no preschooler. After school care. Mothers, don't worry. Um, it's, if I can convince people that the minor, and I was taught the same way, and it's a mindset I believed in. It's a minor inconvenience, man. If you want to believe it's a mal- malfunction and that that you could fix, I, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just going to say people are more empowered by understanding it's a minor inconvenience. Yeah, for me, it's always been if I feel like I don't have control over it. So like the bag lock, at 3,500, I was grabbing my handle for the bag lock. 
I'm like, nope, uh, I can't do anything about that. And then as I started to peel up a little bit, all of a sudden the rubber band broke and I go, oh, cool. I'm going to just tuck this back on in and I didn't have to pull. No problem. But again, that was above my decision altitude on it. It was just, I knew I couldn't fix that. But a lot of my problems have been, no, I feel like I can handle it. I have the altitude to do it. And so I fixed it. But yeah. I love you keep saying the word altitude. A friend of ours who was on the show, Kat, Katrina Autry, Katrina Shows. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, she has a crap load of cutaways. Mm-hmm. A crap load. Do you know why? She doesn't have the altitude. To she pulls it. at her minimum deployment yeah. altitude. Four-way competitions are getting out lower. They commonly have to use exactly. all their working time. <clears throat> There's a reason a lot of four-way, especially old-school four-way guys, have a lot of cutaways. Um, it's because they pull lower. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I have time. To fight. Nick, I love shooting tandem videos, he says, because I open high and I have all the time in the world to fix any problem. I've had some real nasty inconveniences, but because it's on a tandem video, I've been able to fight it and know what my altitude is and get out of it and been fine and fly a perfectly good canopy down. Why would I cut that away? But then on the STP jump, I didn't have the altitude. I could have fixed it if I, I think if I had the altitude. I don't know for certain. But you know what? I didn't have the altitude. I had to cut away. No question in my mind. I didn't think twice about it. I did it. Got to be altitude aware. I guess it all yeah all boils down to your level of experience, the calmness of your mind in the situation, and yeah, how much how much altitude you've got and how aware you are of that thing. Yeah. Because I mean, the words like partial and total, it's like pretty black and white, right? Yes. And it's like, man, some parachute malfunctions can be pretty dynamic. Some situations are pretty dynamic. So if you've got it with you to to think your way through whatever's happening and you know for sure you, the, the altitude's on your side, yeah, go for it. Try and fight that thing. If you think you can fix it, great. But uh, I think your statement, when in doubt, whip it out, I think that's really, exactly. that's also like, hey, if I'm not sure that I can land this thing, regard, it, regardless it, of where I am relative to my uh, decision altitude, yeah, there's no no problem in uh, getting rid of it sooner than you needed to, yeah. sooner than you had to. And that's what I even teach my students is I don't care if you're at five grand. If you know for a fact that you aren't comfortable dealing with it get rid of it i will disagree with my statement the kid who cut away at 700 feet was dumb other than that i feel pretty good about it imagine being on a tandem with some dude and like hey bro his homie's doing a, 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 a aff jump in front of you my my wife's the instructor i'm the tandem instructor hey bro see that that's your homie dude check it out he's flying a pattern we're gonna follow him like i'm trying to educate this guy a little bit he turns right on the base leg. Oh, was my response. He goes, what just happened? I'm like, oh, he just uh, went to his reserve parachute, cut away. I mean, things like this happen. It's no big deal. I'm sitting here on my downwind leg with a kid on his base cutting away going like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, uh, dude. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no. Yeah, that was that was like a, a Bermuda Triangle of death. Uh, people didn't die there. Um, so a, a student cut away at 700 feet at that drop zone. You know the picture of a downplane in our malfunction junction? Yeah. That person rode that downplane all the way into the ground. That was taken from ground level by a young lady named Lisa Flory. She still uh, is around the sport to this what? day. Super, super cool chick. I, I met her. She was a 16-year-old girl hanging out at a DZ. That's not very healthy. Um, taking no, pictures never. around the DZ. Uh, this dude's reserve parachute hit a power line. This Jesus. power line was 10 foot long. A pole, a 10-foot stretch of power line, a building. It was the power line from the ground to the building. Uh, it, it was the line from the, the pole to the building, like just that little that access. 
Um, so if he's any direction in any way, he would have not worked out. The reserve hit the fucking power line. He literally swung a pendulum underneath, hung from the power line, cut away and walked away. Um, oh, my God. I had that cut away. Actually, I think he crawled out of his rig. We had B12 snaps on that rig. He, he, they had to get him out. But, dude, fucking oh. walked away, man. That, yeah. no, no, I wouldn't, <laughs> no. One of the senior instructors on the DZ actually gave him five bucks and says, please go buy me some lottery tickets. Uh-huh. I forget how much money he yeah. gave him, but he like literally gave him a couple bucks, like, please go buy me lottery tickets. Oh, I would too. And uh, then explained why. And, uh, oh, dude, scariest thing in the world. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty petrifying. A good buddy of mine actually was the, the coach on, it was a recurrency jump. And my buddy was like, cause I felt bad for him, dude. Imagine being the coach on a recurrency jump for a licensed jumper. That guy was a licensed jumper who almost went in. So that malfunction junction picture is real life crazy shit. That's just it, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's my contribution to the AFF program, the CP program. I provided oh, that picture. dude, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm now gonna look at that differently. Yeah, one. dude, it was a super scary. I'll show you the picture someday on Google Earth. Heck of yeah, where he landed. Uh, Alex O'Connor was there that day. Oh, I'd love uh, to see that. Doug Ligner was probably there that day. I'm not 100 percent sure. So that was, was in Greensburg. It right? was in Greensburg, yeah. Scott F. Greensburg. So a lot of history for me came there. But um, yeah, man, I uh, went in doubt, whip it out, fucking cut away. Like, yes, if you're I not agree, 100. Sure, make a decision unless you're at 700 feet. Then just well, no, it still applies. Don't cut away. Just pull your reserve. Yeah. So, and then you really screwed up if you're below a thousand. But yeah, <clears throat> I really uh, want to quickly because we're running out of time soon. Share a couple thought processes, and, and one of them. And so many of my friends leave the professional world. Leave Steph, you want another scotch there? I do. <coughs> so I keep it eye ingested. Yeah, go Open ahead. Open I'll do eye contact. Go ahead and get that going on there. Um, so a lot of people have real life jobs, whether they're digging ditches, whether they're doctors, Thanks, lawyers, or school teachers in your case. Um, and let's be real, school teacher, financially not the best job, but it is a career path, no doubt. Well, if I didn't pay for like all the kids to eat and then all my own school supplies, it would be a great career. <laughs> yeah. um, it would be a great career, just not financially. Yeah. Um, so what convinces somebody like you to leave teaching to go skydive full time besides a drunken Buffalo Wild Wings trivia night? Oh, dude. Yeah. Well, and really it was because I kept getting in trouble in the principal's office. I get <laughs> called to the principal's office until I couldn't teach something. And Justin, thank you so much, honey. Welcome. Uh, but yeah, so no. I- Justin, I'm going to be kind of a prude. Will you put that bottle back on a uh, pad for me, please? This one? Yeah, yeah. Just in case any liquid dribbles down the side. Good man, right there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I kept getting called into the principal's office because of my unorthodox teaching style. Uh, I didn't like worksheets. Um, I did not like doing a worksheet assessment every day, which is what they were wanting, the bureaucrats. Define uh, a worksheet. Uh, it could be five questions. You were, you were a math teacher, right? <sighs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it's important to define that. <laughs> I was a yeah. high school <laughs> algebra teacher and geometry teacher. Mm, but yeah, I Most know. people can't comprehend that the first time around. So I like doing activities, though, that were um, kids got outside. They ran around, had, got some air. Even if it, I had to do a worksheet, I'd take them outside in this caged-off area. It was a fenced-off area at the school that it was at. Caged-off. Oh, <laughs> That's how I felt it was. But um, they went, and uh, we would have something hard for them to write on. they just get to sit outside and enjoy the beautiful air. And it was beautiful outside. It wasn't like it was too hot, too cold, anything like that. And I would get in trouble because they weren't in a classroom. And that would tick me off. 
because every day I was getting called. And then I had parents complained. So I used to like put this big, massive tape, a grid on the floor, and we'd talk about plotting and talk about points, linear equations, quadratic, all this stuff, and dealing with transformations, all the mathematical stuff. And the kids wouldn't be able to sit in a desk for about a week. I had a parent complain, not because the kid was like, had knee surgery or something. Because, I mean, obviously, they can't sit on the ground. You need to have a, a chair for them. And I, w- I would make sure that they did. But this kid just threw a temper tantrum because they don't want to sit on the floor because they thought it was dirty. It wasn't dirty, but they thought it was. And so parent complained. And then that morning, the principal comes with uh, two APs and says, yeah, y- you can't do this lesson anymore. Sorry, you have to put all the desks back and do then these worksheets because you have nothing else planned. Okay, cool. I got in trouble for teaching exponential growth and decay. We, uh, I go and get dressed up like a zombie. They put makeup on me and stuff. I remember pictures of this. Oh my god, it was so much fun. The little crap heads that I really hated. <laughs> I got to clothesline Nick. It was amazing. <laughs> oh my god. So How does dressing like a zombie let you get away with clotheslining oh, children? So they had to survive a zombie apocalypse, and so we talk <laughs> about exponential versus linear and quadratic growth. And then I get to run around and learn how out of shape I was, obviously. But then also, I got to every once in a while, I'd see a kid that I really didn't like run past me and just poof, magically. I only had one principal that caught on to it. And he told me I couldn't <laughs> do it anymore <laughs> because of that. And I said, okay, I'll calm down. And he said, okay, then you can keep doing the lesson. He was really cool. But yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I got to teach them that. The kids got it one day. They didn't have to do a worksheet. They didn't have any assessment at the end of the day. It was just a fun activity. Then the next two days, they did this boring packet, but because they had that first day of running around outside, getting exercise and learning stuff, they would handle them the packet, and they retained more. They scored better on tests, but obviously I wasn't doing things right. So I just got fed up with it. So I said, F it, and I left. But I'm still certified. In so many ways. But so many people are disgruntled (laughs) and unhappy in their job. So many people are in a place, whether it's a school teacher, a banker, a lawyer, Mm -hmm. addicted, a dick digger. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What? Well, we went there. (laughs) A ditch digger is where I'm trying to go there. (laughs) Wow, man. Words. That was a Freudian slip. I know. (laughs) Slip right up my Freud. Um, But people don't always have the intestinal fortitude to say, F it and let me change. Whether it's changed to skydiving full time or whether it's changed to another career yeah, path, just or something, something else. What empowered you to make that change? I really my temper because you know everybody <laughs> knows me knows I have zero of a temper. I'm not at all hot headed, at all. <laughs> but no, really, it, my temper got the best of me, and I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to keep my certifications. I'm going to keep everything. I mean, I've got the education for it. I'm just going to go ahead. And I'm going to go do something that I'm having fun with. But you thought about this for a while. Yeah. yeah. How long did you think about going full-time in skydiving? Two years. Okay. How long were you working part-time in skydiving at that point? A uh, year? year and a half, I think. Okay. Yeah. And I really like the path you took. I, I, if you're disgruntled, if you're unhappy, if whatever you're doing in life isn't doing the right thing, man, uh, stop complaining about it and explore your options. And and I don't know if you knew you were exploring your options. As a matter of fact, I don't think you realized you were exploring your options when you first did because based off the conversations you yeah. and I had, you didn't realize it. No. 
I think there were two to three different conversations where months later you came up to me and said, how did you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's rare I see the skydive crazy in somebody's eyes the way I saw it in yours. And that's a compliment. The skydive crazy, like just you were so fucking committed to this lifestyle. Um, it, Which is strange. And that was one of the problems that my family had. I never committed to anything. I've always like every few months I'd go off and do something else. So they thought that this was just going to be a phase. And then surprise, it wasn't. <laughs> I came out, came out as a skydiver. I came out of the closet. I'm a skydiver, okay? Yeah. It's so funny, man. It's, it's, uh, it, it blows my mind. Like, so now your parents are unhappy that you're a skydiver. They eventually accept you're a skydiver. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear how people's parents take that they skydive, but it's also interesting how they accept you are going to become a full-time skydiver. How did this go over with your family? Uh, they knew prior to. I'd prepped them. I, I got smart, so I surprised them with skydiving in the beginning. That didn't go over well. So I learned from that experience that if I prep them and so I'd throw down remarks and everything like that about six months, seven months prior to me just announcing to them that I was going to cut away and join the circus here, and I love it. But, yeah, they they went and they handled it a whole lot better with some preparation. If we're the circus, he's the ringmaster. He and is. that dude's always short, so it fits perfectly. Yeah, 100%. I can see him with the top hat and everything. I don't think I qualify as the ringmaster yet. Oh, I, no. I, I, you're a highly underqualified ringmaster, sir. That's <laughs> like, that's like that. <laughs> you don't qualify, but you are him. I, I really want to get you a red top hat, though, so that you can start working on it. Raymond Adams so, got one for sure. So what do Aww. I do? What, what, what does the ringmaster do other than introduce everybody? Like, he doesn't really have a skill, right? You crack the whip at the circus. You make sure everybody does their job. Yeah, I you got sure like a little stick and you just hit them if they're doing something wrong. You know, that type <laughs> of thing. You introduce a show. You make sure everybody knows where to go. Yeah. You keep the, th- you keep the show running, man. You, cool. you're, you're, you're the man keeping it running. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting, and, and it's uh, something that was interesting for me I told my dad, hey, I'm going to quit my job and skydive full-time. I, at the time, had a job. I was on vacation for two weeks. Uh, during my two-week vacation, I said, F it. I've always wanted to consider this. Let me go try skydiving for the next couple weeks and shoot video full-time for the DZ for a couple weeks. I, the DZO was interested in me doing so. Um, about a week into it, I uh, called my boss and said, thank you, but no thank you. They were like, yeah, we're not shocked. All you did was talk about skydiving. Like It was frankly kind of annoying. You skydivers do, do it all to people, right? Um, they didn't say that, but yeah. in general. Um, I explained this to my father, and he uh, asked me, so uh, what kind of money will you be making? And it was kind of a frank question, and I respect uh-huh. and appreciate that. And I told Dad, I'm like, well, man, if I can make about 1,000 jumps a year, which is actually a feasible number, and if I can get paid about 30 bucks a jump at the time, that's what it was, which is not much better today. Um, then I can make $30,000 a year. He goes, $30,000 a year, that's a little bit better than I thought it would be. Um, that's, you know, you've made more money in your life. I'm like, yeah, so I realize I have to cut some corners, I have to trim some fat. Yeah. I'll be doing this, I'll be doing that. Um, what about savings? Like, yeah, no, it's going to be really hard. And oddly enough, I never had more savings in my life than when I made the least amount of money in my life. Dude, seriously, I have more money now than what I did at, a, at you know, public school. And I made 60K plus. And because I was spending it on the kids' breakfast, lunch, because I taught in the poverty schools. and Pearland's not fucking poverty, bitch! <laughs> yeah, Pearland High School, you bet your butt. Oh, P- Pearland is? Dawson not. Oh, no, not at all. No, dude, the fucking McMansion down the road? Yeah. Mm. I remember my interview uh, at Pearland High School. 
the AP that I was interviewing with, he went and he's like, are you a risk taker? And I told him, <laughs> I go, no, I'm not. Because I don't see myself that way. And he goes, okay, cool. Well, then, you know, a little bit later on, maybe 20 minutes later, he goes, well, then why do you want to come here? I'm like, well, I find myself spending a lot of time in Rocheron. And he looked at me and he goes, Rocheron? There's only prisons in Rocheron. <laughs> Are you going for business or something? You know, you, you getting frisky with the prisoners or what? <laughs> And I laughed. I go, no. And he goes, well, then what the hell are you doing in Rochere? And I don't know of anything else there. And I never said I, w- I was skydiving. I was skydiving or anything in any interview. And I go, well, I really like skydiving. And the, there's a skydiving place. It's not big. It's just a little place, you know, and everything like that. And he just looked at me and goes, skydive Spaceland, huh? <laughs> he knew of it. And I go, yeah. And he goes, I'm going to go ahead and change that answer on if you're a risk taker or not. <laughs> and then he went and he goes, so you're going to stick around at least for a couple of years. I go, well, that's the plan. And he goes, okay, cool. We're going to hire you. Come to find out the principal's son was a skydiver at the time. And so I got to jump with the principal's son a whole lot. And he went and even the principal on the final interview, he goes, do your clothes and shoes smell like ass? Like what my son's does <laughs> because of that landing area that's always full of water. Yes, yes, it does. Yes. Do we know his son? Uh, so Cody Berger is his name. He, yeah, I know Cody. Yeah, he used to skydive a whole lot. Not so much anymore. Bummer, nice kid. I know, I love him to death. But yeah, Mr. Berger was the principal. I loved him. He I was did not know the best. Yeah. I did not know Pearland High School was what you just described. I forget the words you just used. Because in reality, Pearland is not definitely, we're, we're not a hard off town. No. So it depends on what side of town you, you are. It's just like Conroe. I mean, Conroe involves Conroe. the woodlands. Yeah, Conroe. Um, but the, they involve the woodlands. The woodlands is the nice part of town, lots of money, uh, lots of other things. But then you have Conroe High School, and they are the ones where, like, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, people came. There was a massive fight that broke out. Cops had to be called. Uh, sure. And everything like that, but it was a low income area. It's basically the the poor kids where the parents sadly they they're either they don't care or they care a whole lot, but they have to work five jobs just to make ends meet. So it's one or the other. So the kids are neglected and everything, and that and I like those kids because then usually my teaching style I don't get in as much trouble with parents because so our parents don't give a shit. Yeah. Not or that else, you're doing anything wrong, but... but, but or else the parents you don't have do, Karens. they just don't have time to deal with it. They're you just, just don't have Karens. Yeah. In you Pearland, don't have Karens. you got Karens. Plenty of Karens on the side of Pearland. Uh, and even at Pearland High School, I got a couple Karens. Jesus Christ. And that's dude. why I couldn't do the graphing thing on the floor. I got a Karen. Fucking neighborhood of Karens, man. My favorite was, well, my child wouldn't have to cheat if you just taught him better. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. No, your child's just immoral. Yep. I'll just go with that, man. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm back to, I'm shocked because this, we live in one of the uh, most affordable neighborhoods on our part of town. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad neighborhood at all. No, so. no. I mean, even the the bad the bad parts of Pearland, and I use quotation marks on it, they they aren't bad. No. At all. It's just, it's the poorer area. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Old Town. It, yeah. Really, we call that part of town Old Town. Yeah. And that's it. But. So, um. You you decided to man up. You decided to make the change. There are people right now listening to the show who are actually borderline who say, man, I'm at the point in my life where I could cut away and become a full-time packer, become a full-time maintenance person, um, and I'm not even going to an instructor yet because that's really where it begins for most people. What advice would you give those people, and what would you tell them to expect 
Because everybody pictures a glorious job. Yeah. Let's see. How many years did I clean up after people and clean toilets? Uh, what? Three, four years? Something like that? You were a maintenance staff. Yeah. And that is the most glorified word I've ever heard for janitor. Yeah. So. I cleaned up after everyone. And then I ended up getting the name the sheriff, which I laugh about um, on it. But just I watched everybody landing, opening, watched all, all of them do stupid things and so I was usually the one that saw whenever like there was a close call or something with two people. And so I got to be the mediator between the two. You were Barney Fife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually made her keep her bullet in her pocket because she was dangerous with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you don't keep it. I was just bo- about to reference the bullet in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were Barney Fife. What would you tell them? Uh, so first of all, let's be clear. Uh, if you're expecting glory, if you're expecting no. to go to a drop zone, uh, to work full time and jump a lot, it's not happening. No, one hundred percent. Once you start working at a drop zone, you aren't going to fun jump a whole lot. You aren't for the most part, unless you got the jump number, the experience, and everything like that. But even now, I I want to jump more fun jumps than what I do. It's just I'm I get busy working with people. But like even whenever it came to working ground, I didn't have time to to jump most of the time. Every once in a blue moon, I might get to do a first load. Uh, but otherwise, I was working. And I, I needed to be on the ground. I didn't have to be, but I mean, I, I should be on the ground. I'm watching people land the chops, everything like that. I need to be on the ground. I can't be jumping and try to watch a chop. If a chop happens mm-hmm. while I'm jumping, then I didn't do my job. Man, if if you're maintenance guy or if you're uh, observing jumpers on the load somewhere at a drop zone, realize that we rely on you that much. We care about you that much. And in Spaceland, I hate to, to share the story to some limitation or some point, but uh, we didn't always have somebody watching the sky for the mm-hmm. number of jumpers. And we had a guy land off with a malfunction and he died. Yeah, that. I heard about that. That was um, before me. Yeah, and we didn't get to find his body right away because nobody realized he landed off. He had had a new girlfriend. He was maintenance staff, actually. He was one of your predecessors. Uh, super. He was literally one of your predecessors, yeah. one of the fucking hardest working maintenance guys we've ever had. So that's why I, I think it was like two years before me or something like yeah. that. But yeah, I heard S- about this. Super good dude. And uh, he was excited about this new girl he met. And you like every fucking horny ass dude, as soon as he lands, he's going to run off and go hook up with this chick. And like, dude, we were we were so stoked for him. Like he's that guy. He land at his place and he run off. So when we landed and he disappeared, him and Will did a two way. So when we, Will lands, immediately packs, dude lands and disappears. We think nothing of it. They're the only fun jumpers on the load. And uh, and a couple of days later, uh, Brian Clark and I were the one who figured out we saw what we thought might be a canopy. Like, yeah, this guy didn't show up. Is that a reserve down there? We sent out a guy named Tommy DZ Tom, if you know his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went out with a four wheeler, reported back, man. And, and from, I mean, the guy died basically on impact. He probably survived a minute or two. And in, in my my brain, the only uh, thing that that makes me sad is he died alone. Yeah, you know, we probably not probably the coroner made it very clear there's no chance of saving his life with the impact he had. Uh, by the way, if you hear me ever complain about you wearing a baggy jumpsuit or not tucking in your handles, this is the reason why. Um, every bit of evidence shows that the jumpsuit, or excuse me, the the the, the shirt he was wearing was not tucked in. Uh, any video that exists shows that his shirt was blowing over his handles in free fall. He cut away oh, super geez. low. We believe he couldn't get to his handle clearly. He cut away and pulled his reserve super low. His reserve got to a line stretch. Um, and if, then impact. Yeah. 
the free bag landed next to his body. That's how barely oh, close it was. Man, fucking tuck in your shirts, man. Tie them down with stow bands. No joke. Uh, don't trust your leg straps. Find the proper ways to do it. If you don't know the proper ways to do it, find a super experienced guy. I love your friend with 400 jumps, but he probably doesn't know as much as he tells you he does, especially yeah. if you're a girl. Um, <laughs> I fully agree with that. A hundred percent, man. Yeah, I, I love those guys. It's uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, sorry. Side story. I can't share. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the guys who were helping all the girls like you, you. Oh yeah. You ladies are so lucky. You have all the help from all the right guys. <laughs> all the right guys help you ladies. Oh <laughs> man. It definitely makes life easier, but yes, you just don't learn stuff that way though. Yeah. So, man, if you're a loader, know that we're relying on you. Know that our friends are relying on you. Know it's, it, it, man, counting parachutes every load has got to suck. Looking up at the sky has got to suck. I, I know it's not the funnest job. I've actually covered for stuff doing the job. Um, man, we appreciate you. And, and guys and gals, wow. when you walk in, and every single one of you, when you walk into your home drops, and if you got a guy or gal who sits there and watches everybody land, greet them. Thank Be them. Be nice to them. Say hello. Ask them how their day is. Offer them a beer when you're done jumping and except when they say, no, I got to wait till the sun sets because I can't drink yet. Well, and it's great because they're the ones who are going to see your canopy when you chop. They're the ones that are going to see you land off. They're the ones that are going to see everything. And people, I don't think they realize that one so much. But I sure as hell know that whenever I chopped, I was beyond thankful that I had that many eyes on, on my canopy and everything in the sky. Beyond thankful for that. One of the most aware people on the drop zone is also one of the most oblivious people on the drop zone. It's up to that person to choose which way they go is a loader slash ground maintenance ground crew who's observing that day. Yeah. Because you're back and forth from the plane to the landing area. You see it all. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people absentmindedly do it. They're lost. You were never absentminded. Well, because mostly I was scared that if I were on the load, I'd want somebody to be looking out for me. And what happened when you cut away? I had like 50 million people sending me videos and pictures and everything. And it was the most amazing feeling in the world is to know that within, I think, 30 minutes, I knew exactly where my canopy was, knew it was safe. We had to go the next morning just because of daylight and retrieve it and everything. We got the canopy and everything within an hour and it was back home safely. All because of everybody on the ground that watched. It wasn't people in the air so much. It was people on the ground who then helped inform the pilots so that they knew exactly where to look and they found it within 30 seconds because of the people on the ground. Yeah. I say it all the time. You come for the skydives, you stay for the skydivers. It's about yeah. the community. And uh, Stephanie, you have done one of the most amazing jobs of growing our community. A lot of our staff does a good job at Spaceland and a lot of instructors everywhere do a good job of growing skydivers and I appreciate that. Um, respectfully, I don't care about the skydivers as far as jumping goes. I care about the skydivers as far as the community goes. Um, my best friends, uh, my family, my wife, they're all skydivers. So it's super cool. And, and thank you for sharing a little bit of your passion, uh, here on the show and sharing a lot of your compassion on the DZ. Well, I learned from the people at Spaceland, the staff that's been there for a while. So, I mean, it, it's through them. I mean... Pay it forward, that type of thing. Pay it skyward. Yeah, pay it skyward. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Scrimshire, uh, old 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 Dallas jumper. Uh, pay it skyward was a, wh- a phrase he liked to use, and it's something that we've kind of lost in our Dallas, our Texas skydiving history. And I and I would like to keep that alive. I would like to respect the Scrimshire family. Uh, man, so, such wonderful people. That at least the Scrimshires I knew uh, or know. Um, 
uh, man, pay it skyward. It, it really is a super cool thing to do. I, I will pay a lot of respect, man. Um, a lot of people think we're a Spaceland show because uh, we talk a lot about Spaceland. We just happen to be Spacelanders yeah. who have a show. And if you think I'm on Spaceland's dick, then fuck yeah, man, because they're super good to me. They treat me super well. If you knew the turmoil, the 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 strife, the the shit I've gone through, um, and and man, Nick knows the years that I've been through. And I think you don't know the worst of it, but you, Nick knows some of the worst of it, even including uh, some of my recent prompts to deal with. Man, yeah, also, fuck yeah, I'm on Spaceland's dick, man. They're family to me. They treat me good, and I look at the way you behave. If you own a drop zone, if you're a manager at a drop zone, if you're a leader at a drop zone, you are the change that needs to be happening. If you can treat somebody the way Spaceland leadership treated Stephanie, now Stephanie treats her young jumpers that way, and those young jumpers are going to turn around and treat the next generation. I think you are absolutely wonderful the way you are. I think you would be this way almost no matter what. Um, but I also think you're partially a trickle-down effect of great leadership oh, coming from... 100% on the Spaceland mentality on it. It's not... Yeah, okay, yes, I work at Spaceland. I was a baby bird Spaceland person. But, I mean, it, it was people at Spaceland that went and taught me to pay it forward, to be generous, to provide for the community and everything like that. It 100%, it was the people in the sport that made that happen. I'm going to fucking tell a story on you that I've never supposed to share publicly, but you can get fucked right now. Um, paying it forward, man. We did a really fun thing. One of my favorite things I've done is a group of friends helped me raise money for Marion Sparks. Mm -hmm. Marion Sparks and Jump for the Rose will never, Marion Sparks will never spend a fucking dime on herself. That stupid, stupid lady will I only know. give money to I the Rose. I hate her so much because of it. Because I of it, uh, she would not accept anything. We secretly, and I can't believe the skydiving community kept the fucking secret, bought her a rig and embroidered for I Jump for the Rose. We raised the money that quick. I know. And, every <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, I had to throw in $20 at the end because I could I'm like oh my god we're done with, oh, like I'm throwing 20 bucks in so I can at least get yeah. in and when Marion got this rig as a gift she paid it skyward by giving you a new container and main and main and with no regard and no respect you paid it skyward multiple times over but in a big way by buying a very dear friend of ours a canopy who had no expectations and uh, much love and respect I know it was supposed to be a secret, but I want to share the heart that you have with people and, and the generosity you have. And guys, I don't expect you to buy somebody a fucking Valkyrie yeah, no, canopy. No, don't do that. But man, pay a skyward. Give the love. Share the love. Um, Stephanie, uh, I will I will take a little bit of pride myself, a little bit of ego in, in the handing down the leadership. If mm -hmm. you ever hear somebody like Stephanie yelling at you, she has a passion. She cares that much about you that she's going to come in your shit and get in your face and tell you how you almost killed yourself. The thing that Stephanie and I have talked about over the last while is take your passion, and it's something I struggle with every day, and turn it into compassion. And I see you continuously fucking crush it. So, Yeah, I went and I got my first awkward hug from Nick because of that. What? I don't remember being awkward, but... Oh, uh, it was awkward <laughs> me. <laughs> over at Carlos? Yeah. I went and I didn't realize... He's so tiny. I didn't see him. <laughs> I didn't see him in the, the video room. It was dark. So I went and I put this message, encrypted message oh, okay. on the Oh, okay. Now I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and I just go and I throw it down. And all of a sudden, I 
hear Nick go, hey, Steph, and he scared me so badly. Yeah, I was like in the, I was on my computer in the, in the question. She was below your line of sight. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm sitting in the dark on my computer editing something, right? Okay, So it's like quiet, quiet morning in the video room. It was just me. It was a weather day. Nobody was supposed to be there. He wasn't manager yet. He shouldn't have been there. (laughs) But yeah. So I went and I chunked down this canopy and then he goes and he calls me out. And so then he gives me this awkward hug. At least in my mind, it was an awkward hug. And uh, that was the first time I ever interacted like big time with Nick. Otherwise, it had been small talk. It hadn't been anything major. That's a pretty serious uh, gesture to do for someone. I've no, I don't know that. But I've I don't understand that. To me, it, it wasn't, even to this day. See, but that's what makes it even cooler, is that you don't yeah. think it's a big deal no. for you to spend your own money on a brand new parachute for someone else because you're worried about, about them, about their safety, about the gear that they're jumping. Well, that's because they're idiot. They're a total idiot, and I'll tell Carlos to his face. He's an idiot, and I love him. Yeah. <laughs> best part is sneak up behind Carlos and scare him to his oh, back. Oh, my God, is the best thing ever. Yes. Yeah. Um, man, I, I said the last things I wanted to say because I definitely uh, cannot sing your praises enough. And, and guys, I really hope that you can understand that last statement. Stephanie and I both work on this together. I'm not you're not the only mm-hmm. one. I understand when you approach people that you have a passion. I know you're afraid to see people die and you're sick of people's uh, 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 getting hurt. But yelling never helps anybody. and They're not mm-hmm. going to listen to you. Approach them. Hey, man, can I give you a tip? Can I help you with this last thing? Can I tell you something that might help? Can I give you a hint? Yeah. And share it. And you've always had that super huge passion for safety and always had a reasonable delivery. But over the last year, I I see basically as you've gone to full-time staff, full-time air staff, I think you've learned uh, where the compromises are. are, They're easier to to see. Yeah. Yeah. People are a little worked up and so you don't want to go at them. Yeah, man, give us some time. Uh, Stephanie, we turn into pumpkins right about now. So yep. anything you want to share to our friends, our family? Nope, I'm good. Thanks you know, for inviting me. Oh, thank you. I, I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed it. I did, and the scotch was yummy. Oh, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Justin, thank you for that. That was absolutely oh, yummy scotch. Oh, yeah, Justin, Welcome. thank you. My ginger, you got anything? No. Cracker ass cracker, what you got? Steph, thanks for working so hard. You do a really great job. You set a super high uh, standard. You, you, you make everyone else look bad. So... Well, uh, Thank you for it, being tiny. I appreciate it. Hey, it's it. Uh, the one, one thing that I have no choice but to be good at. But uh, no, you, you do awesome and uh, you help everybody else all the time. So please keep that up and please keep being you. I got you, boo. Word. Word. Yo, guys and gals, happy new year. Happy 2021 to top 2020. We have fucking Woo-hoo! invaded the Capitol. Go fuck yourself. You're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Go fucking home and master. I don't know, man. <laughs> guys and gals, grab your lab radio. We love you. Be kind to each other. Love each other. Blue skies. We're out. Yo, the first person to email Monty at GravityLabRadio.com and mention Blue Aries. I will email you a Blue Aries, too. Boom. Aw, snap.